last night, you know, did anybody um, burst into song? Life's a show and we all play out. Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. That's not how we start the show. Excellent. Let's try again. Welcome to the Book of Tarnus, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. It's a weekly podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago. And this week's episode is Season 6, Episode 7, Once More with Feeling. Hey, the musical one. We'll be talking about plot. We'll be talking about characters. And we will be talking about other TV musicals. So spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before it, after it, the comics, and other TV shows and movies. Well, I didn't know what was going to happen. I just thought there was going to be talking and recording. I just wanted to make sure we could make a podcast. Welcome back, everyone. It's going to be a wonderful discussion. My name is Kelly. I am here to talk about this show with my co-hosts. Wonderful co-host, Asia. Say hello. Hello. And my other co-host, Daniel. Say hello. I think this podcast mostly filler. Yes. And we, hey, we're here to talk about season six, episode seven, Once More the Feeling. Did you know that's the musical episode? And it originally aired on November 6th of the year 2001, written and directed by Joss Whedon of Joss Whedon Infamy. Uh, this is 25 of 27 for him for writing and 19 of 20 for him for directing. Almost done. The last one was The Gift for writing and directing. The next one will be Lessons at season seven, episode one. Uh, and he just writes that one. He does not direct. So almost he, he writes and directs. Uh, Oh my God, what's the last episode called? Chosen. There we go. And that's it. He's done. He's done. Uh, what happened in this episode? Well, it was a pretty uneventful episode. No giant revelations, no singing, no dancing, no nothing. Uh, yeah, there's a demon that's causing everybody to spontaneously sing and dance, but that's kind of, you know, not that important, even though it's the majority of the episode, because we have a huge revelation from Buffy to all of her friends. Hey, actually... I was in heaven. Also, Tara finds out that her girlfriend has been manipulating her mind for who knows how long. She's not stoked about it. Also, Giles is like, shit, I think I need to leave. The demon doesn't actually hurt our friends. Our friends don't actually hurt the demon. He goes away, and Buffy and Spike kiss. Things are going great. Does that about cover it? Hmm. Mm, good, good. It's pretty good. Dawn gets taken, like every time, oh, yeah. so it's not worth mentioning, but yeah. Dawn gets kidnapped, but then returned, so I feel like it's... Uh, don't need to even mention it. So, Don's in trouble. Must be Tuesday. Uh, I just wanted to point out some some quick behind the scenes thing. Now, we, I, I, I apologize in advance. I'm gonna be all over the place in this episode. Here's my first thing. Ready? Ready. Okay. So, cast and crew shoutouts. I don't normally go into detail about the other people, uh, working on the show, which is you know my bad. I, I try to point out the writer and director every time, obviously, but. I think this episode, because of what it is and how many extra people got to work on it and what they ended up producing, I think it is a good thing to mention some some other peeps that were hanging out. You know, Joss being the first one. He did write the lyrics for all the songs and he did actually do the demos of them on the piano and guitar uh, that he then turned into Christophe Beck. But him and his then-wife Kai Cole are the ones that sang on the demos. They recorded them all on four tracks before they turned them into 
Christophe Beck, and Jesse Tobias of the band Splendid. You'll recognize that name from talking about it before because the band Splendid actually appears in two episodes of Buffy, uh, I Only Have Eyes for You, and uh, The Freshman. And then also uh, the lead singer, which I forgot her name, uh, does an original song for Conversations with Dead People. So Jesse Tobias from Splendid and obviously the wonderful, magnificent Christophe Beck co-produced and co-arranged all the tracks that Joss Whedon originally handed handed in uh the demons the dummy like the demons at the beginning that Buffy you know with the sword she's not even half the girl she's that guy uh the street sweepers and the henchmen with the wooden heads they're actually all the same people Zachary Woodley Timothy Anderson and Alex Estrone um they're just great dancers and they use them multiple times because why not because mostly they're covered so you wouldn't even know uh the choreographers putting together those splendid dance scenes are Adam Shankman and Ann Fletcher and the wonderful sweet which by the way i didn't realize that his name was spelled sweet like a candy i thought his name was a pun and it was sweet like a musical sweet and i'm disappointed that it's not it's sweet w s w e e t but you know whatever played by hinton battle actor singer dancer and dance instructor three-time tony award winner uh, all in the category of featured actor in a musical he was the first actor to portray the scarecrow in the stage production of the Wiz. so Big, big deal. Big, big deal, that guy getting him. A uh, couple other things I'm going to try to breeze through. Bear with me. At 48 minutes long, I mean technically 50 minutes if you count the opening and closing credits, this is the longest episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Of those 48 minutes, there are 36 minutes of music. This is the only episode shown in the U.S. in the widescreen format. Um, in other countries, seasons 4 through 7 were broadcast in widescreen. I don't know why we got robbed. Uh, the syndicated version of this is eight minutes shorter, so coming in at 42 minutes instead. Uh, there are a bunch of things they cut out. Daniel, did you notice that they cut out a bunch of stuff? I did notice, yes. What did you see that was missing? What did what did you uh, I noticed the, the entire overture in the beginning is completely gone. Yeah. Dawn's ballet is completely gone. There's a bit where Xander's talking about donuts that I think was cut, which leads me to believe that like so many little tiny things were cut out of the show eventually. Am I wrong that if we're together was also cut? Like we did bunnies and then we're done. Yes. I got a theory bunnies and then, okay. So yeah, we didn't do if we're together. And I was like, that song fucking rocks. What? Where the fuck is it? Yeah. So our version, the shortened version doesn't have that. I think that that song is crucial. So I was pretty, pretty bummed about that. Yeah. You got mostly all of it. Um, Shockingly, the entire beginning overture, which sets up the themes for all the rest of the music, like because it's a play on all the music that happens later, is it's completely cut. You can't cut it except for, like, I, I mean, I don't know how crucial it is because we see her later, but Tara finds the lead Bramble during that mm. little opening scene. So cutting that out completely. Do you need the context? I don't know. But yeah, uh, definitely parts of going through the motion were cut out. Like you said, during I've Got a Theory, the end of it was cut out. Um, Magic Box scenes were cut out. A bit of Rest in Peace Spike songs cut out. Um yeah, walking up the, yeah, when Spike was walking up his ladder, mm -hmm. like there was just like a lingering shot and then it was cut. And I was like, oh God, wow. What did we save? Two seconds? Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, okay. Well, because we have to. So tiny, tiny bits. Joss didn't want to cut any of this episode. He didn't mean for it to be longer than it was. Luckily, the UPN didn't care that it was longer. Like, yeah, we could turn this into a thing and make it like, so everybody watches it. So this is great for us. Uh, but he never intended it for be, to be longer than 42 minutes. He just couldn't figure out what to take out because everything does feel so vital. So it is weird, the things they chose, because like, I don't know, what are you going to pick? You want to pick mostly the dialogue because otherwise the songs feel weird. But then they took little snippets out of the song. So very like strange. you could have taken out the um, parking ticket song. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? On behalf of wow. Marty Knoxon, 
How dare you? Um, so the BBC promised that they were going to show the whole 50 minutes. They promised all of the loyal BBC viewers that were clamoring for Buffy. And, and then, then they, they didn't. didn't do it. No. <laughs> they showed the syndicated version instead. But finally, at a very late night slot the following night, they actually did air the un- like uncut version uh, after lots and lots of complaints to the BBC for not showing the right one. However, it was at such a late time slot and people weren't expecting them to re-air it that nobody really watched it. So it sucks uh. to be a UK Buffy fan, not for the first time. Uh, the French version of Once More With Feeling was the only country, or France, I should say, was the only country to actually redub the songs, redub and re-record the songs into mm. French. Every other country just left the songs as is, I'm assuming, with subtitles. Uh, so it'd be interesting to hear the French version. I don't know if it exists somewhere. I'm sure it does, but I have not heard it. And in 2002, Once More With Feeling was nominated for a Best Dramatic Presentation Hugo Award and an Outstanding Music Direction Emmy. Uh, more specifically, Christophe Beck and Jesse Tobias were nominated for that Outstanding Music Direction Emmy. Buffy lost out, however, to the opening ceremony of the 2002 Salt Lake City Olympic Winter Games. Uh, 2021's winter, winter, 2021's winner, by the way, because I know you want to know, Bo Burnham for Inside. So. Oh, wow. I tried to find a, what the criteria was for outstanding music direction to like know what people are basing their decisions on, and I could not find that. But don't worry, Buffy didn't win the Emmy again. So uh, I think that's enough talking for me for right now. Stacia, what did you think about this episode? I'm sure you hated it. That was a joke because this episode is excellent and no one hates it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like this episode. Don't you don't don't want to elaborate? No. no. Okay. I think Great. it sings for itself. Ah. Ah. Nice. See what you did there. Nice. Uh, Daniel, what did you think about this episode? Yeah, I won't belabor it. Music's awesome. Direction's awesome. Everything's awesome. Y- you know, it's dark. It's a dark song or dark, dark episode. I watched it with my grandma and uh, she was like, I love the music. She loved the music. Nice. And I was like, I, the only thing I told grandma was like, all you need to know is that Buffy died and came back. And then I was like, oh, she probably needs to know 40 other things. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't say it. And this is like probably the only episode of Buffy, even outside of Hush and all of them, that is probably just anybody can sit down and be like, "Oh, this is fun." Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a it's a really dark. If you want to get into it, it's really fun. If you want to listen to great music, and I fucking love it. I mean, why wouldn't I love it? This is this is one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen in my whole life. And it's an episode of Buffy that I've watched more often than any other, and I absolutely love it. Uh, I I too love the episode. It's really hard to find a fault in it. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to poke fun at the, the, you know, bad ones. But I will just leave you with a Joss Whedon quote about how I feel about the episode, because I, you know, I don't I don't know that I love TV musicals. Uh, Joss had this to say in the DVD commentary, which is absolutely excellent, by the way, if you have the ability ability to watch or watch the episode with the commentary, I highly, highly recommend it, uh, especially coming off the last commentary with David Fury and Marty Noxon from Bargaining, where they said maybe 10 things the whole time, and it was just like mostly them awkwardly watching the episode together. Uh, Joss talked from the second it started to the second it ended, all 50 minutes, and every bit oh, wow. of it was really good and informative. He clearly loves musicals and like is definitely a student of the lots of them within the genre. Uh, so I think that you can really, really tell that and that it pays off and why this tv musical is uh, worth rewatching over and over again anyway quote i'm an obsessive about songs in musicals that is progressing the plot musicals are an opportunity for the characters to say things they wouldn't ordinarily be able to this is very much a sequel to hush in that way when people stop talking they start communicating so many tv shows do variety shows disguised as musicals where they just do a scene and then sing an oldie like a cover song that has something to do with the scene vaguely 
And uh, I 100% agree that that is a failing of a lot of TV musicals. The trick was to bring people into a musical and, um, and have them accept that they were one. So I desperately need some context for other TV musicals. Like, what's the deal with them and why are they not as good as this one? I don't know if I'll get all my answers, but thank God Daniel is here to tell us a little bit about it. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, yeah. No, I, I I decided instead of just even looking into just like the top lists of musicals, I wanted to like instead of like framing it chronologically or doing animated versus live action, I was like, I want to do it by device. So I started with pre Buffy. There were a couple of things and we can quibble. And if you guys know these at all, please just jump in. Uh, but the first one that I could find was I Love Lucy there. You know. We're, we're kind of playing fast and loose here, and I'm, I'm going to get into it a little bit further. But there's three examples pre-Buffy, pre-60s, really. Um, we're talking I Love Lucy, uh, the episode The Operetta, where they do an opera for a club benefit. So everybody sings, dances, has fun. Uh, there is a, a show called Producer Showcase in 1955 that does a rendition of Our Town, which is a Pulitzer Prize winning um, play by Thornton Wilder. But it's famous for having Frank Sinatra, Paul Newman. Eva Marie Saint in it, and they turned it into a musical. It's actually the only time it's ever been turned into a musical to this day, and that was 1955, hmm. um, and that was on TV. And the last one, Kelly, you're one of your top shows, is Gilligan's Island, the producer. <laughs> um, the castaways recast uh, a version of Hamlet because a castaway um, film producer uh, washed up on shore one day, and they wanted to show off Ginger's talents, mm-hmm. so they redid this whole thing about hamlet um and again i want to say this is season three episode 72 everybody so if you want to go find that episode um and eventually he gets rescued but he only gets rescued alone something i ran into a lot while looking up um musical episodes is like the prevalence of animation Hmm. and you can understand why animation would be so much easier to do than live action because you can just write the songs and Somebody like Seth MacFarlane with American Dad and Family Guy, like he's a he's a singer himself. So it like kind of and, and even um, South Park, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the guys who make South Park, they are also they have musicals out there. So South Park, American Dad, Family Guy, they are very represented here, but more represented than anybody else is The Simpsons. So they're kind of speaking to what Joss Whedon was saying there. I'm glad you had that quote because the Simpsons, they do a lot of songs, but most of them are parody. Mm-hmm. So one of the more the more of the famous episodes are kind of compilations of their singing. But you're going to have Lisa go off to camp and meet the guys from Glee. You're going to have sure. election day with Michael Moore and we're going to sing a song. So that's going to happen. Futurama sort of bucked it a little bit. They had a lot of, uh, you know original songs but that was kind of it you're gonna have you know robot devil show up and like sing a song but you're not gonna go beyond that but uh, there is one that i will get to where they actually do make a whole uh, musical episode about it um another one that i found interesting too is like instead of just covering songs or parodying songs um is my little pony which actually did write a bunch of songs um, back in 2013, 2014, when the show was going on. So they would have episodes, some of them that made sense, some of them like in lore, like, oh, we're singing a song or we're telling a story. But some of them are just like, eh, it's a musical episode. Hmm. And they would have like six or eight songs that are totally original, um, which is kind of interesting. And then again, you have like the American Dads where you can have Seth MacFarlane sing. You've got a show called China, Illinois on on Cartoon Network. I'd never heard of it before, but you had Cat Power singing songs as a gorilla 
in that show too. So you kind of have these things, Steven Universe, Adventure Time have like little band elements. So you kind of like in universe create a band and you have a song, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't really go anywhere beyond that. Bob's Burgers, the same thing. They do a musical. Um, One of the kids wants to do Die Hard, the musical. The other person wants to do um, Working Girl, the musical. And eventually they like blend together uh, in the story and then have this crazy musical with these two divergent film franchises that Fox just happens to both own. So you can, you know, do whatever you want to do on Bob's Burgers. But that's kind of what it is. What Joss is talking about, though, with the musical and name only was what I was kind of interested in because I kept running into stuff like 30 Rock. Mm -hmm. There's a 30 Rock episode that everybody talks about, episode 210, um, where they just sing Midnight Train to Georgia. Like, I mean, there's a couple of other musical things, but it's like there's just a song. How I Met Your Mother has a famous episode where Barney sings Nothing Suits Me Like a Suit. It's just a song. Yeah, you got Neil Patrick Harris doing it, but it's just a song. The X-Files, whole episode where Burt Reynolds is God, but he just they just sing a song. So I was like, oh my God, are we really doing this? Like, these are not actually musical episodes. Star Trek, there's a hologram that sings a song. That's a that's a musical episode to some people. Drew Carey, he goes off to New York City and comes back to Cleveland. There's a Rocky Horror Picture Show uh, replacing the adventures of uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Right. And those two casts, yeah, fucking beef it out in the streets mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's like, is that a musical? So for me, I, when looking at that, I was like, okay, there's ones that are just using it to have fun and others that are using it to convey feelings. So like Ally McBeal has a musical episode. All of the songs are written by Randy Newman. I don't know if they're original. I don't think that they are. But the whole point is like to get across some emotional thing, which I think Buffy is sort of doing with original music. And then there's something like Oz, you know, the show on HBO back in the day in in prison. Uh, The episode's called Variety. And it's the same thing. It's just every character gets to have a song that already exists in the world, but they just sing it to convey a feeling, Um, which I think is pretty common. I mean, that's the... uh... Like Grey's Anatomy, definitely, I feel like, fits that category, too. Because right? mm-hmm. it was just, like, pop songs that they were using while dramatic scenes were going on, right? So beyond beyond that, we have shows that dip into the musical elements in general. So Grey's Anatomy is a great example of uh, every episode is a song title. So it's almost built in waiting That's for true. you right there. But, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. But ev- I think so. I mean, at least the early ones huh. are. I'm sure it's still going on. But the but the one we're all thinking about is Glee. Glee is sure. the g- great example of a of a show that uses covers and mashups or whatever you want to call it to sort of push this whole idea of our emotions, our feelings through music. Other shows that did it a lot are like Pushing Daisies would often go into songs randomly. Magicians, which is a, a sci-fi show, I think, went into songs frequently. And the one that's probably the most famous today is I'm going to get this wrong, but Riverdale and a show called Caddy Keen, which is a spinoff of Riverdale. They have musical episodes based on Carrie, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, Heathers, you know, like they'll just every year they'll do something like that. So it's not original music, but it's sort of conveying through our characters, their thoughts, their feelings, their emotion, using pop music and sort of elevating it if you want. Um, Although I haven't really seen any of Well, I uh, came in while Stacia was watching the Hedwig and the Angry Inch episode of Riverdale and became enraged immediately because mm-hmm. they were doing a terrible version of Midnight Radio, which is the best song in that whole fucking movie. And I was so mad. <laughs> I think you're playing with fire when you do that. Yeah. Like, it's like you're either it's either going to be good. Or, well, that's the Grey's Anatomy thing. It's either famous or infamous because of those things. You just you're really playing. Whereas if it's your own songs, you're going to be a little bit better. So the next genre though, I saw of these type of musicals are musicals that are part of the show. So like, you know, instead of something like Buffy, 
like curses or spells or whatever. It's like we're doing a musical. The most famous is probably Andy's play from The Office when they do Sweeney Todd. Oh, sure. Okay. So it's just part of the show, but it's not, you know, they call it a musical episode, but I mean, that's, I think that's pushing the bounds a little bit. Like it's not really, it's not that plot doesn't happen. It's like the plot doesn't hinge upon it the way Buffy does. It's just kind of there. Um, Star Trek Deep Space Nine has an episode called His Way, which you can tell by the Frank Sinatra reference. Same sort of thing. We have a Fallout New Vegas type character who's like singing songs for our characters, telling them how they feel, setting them up. It's Always Sunny is probably the most famous. Uh, they have a, they have an episode in season four called The Nightman, the Nightman Cometh, um, where, you know, Charlie, who is just a drug-addled, you know, you know, person who is not very smart comes up with this play and they put it on and actually in real life the characters actually went on a six date tour uh Ticketmaster wanted them to do a 30 date tour of just the Jesus. play itself but they actually went on tour for this play that they made inside of it's always sunny in Philadelphia so those are those are examples of like plays and songs taking place inside the world but they even get a little bit weirder Kelly you know this one community did regional holiday music right. where you know, all of our characters are singing songs based on Glee, making fun of it with original music. Supernatural has an episode, their 200th, called Fan Fiction, where those two characters, uh, Dean and Sam, are investigating a, 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 a teacher's disappearance and stumble upon a group of kids doing Supernatural the musical. And they're like, hey, what, what the fuck's going <laughs> wait, on? Uh, so wait, like it's like they, it's a meta thing where they're doing a musical about the show inside the show? And they talk about like, apparently like the fan fiction stuff like they'll be like why are you standing too close to they this like, character haha ha, because they're together like yeah it, you know. well they set up at some point in the series like some guy who wrote books about them oh, and he becomes oh okay famous oh there you go there you go about like these stories and he like follows them around okay gotcha so like while the show is ongoing he's like chronicling kind of their yeah the supernatural wiki gotcha. was the long the fania or whatever is so long for that I episode, <laughs> I could not even get to that. I'm sure it explains it in there. It's like, why is this happening? I was like, no, I can't do it. Uh, probably most famous is like Psych the Musical. It was billed as a musical. It was a two-hour episode, or all original music, um, which is probably the closest we get to something like Once More with Feeling. However, uh, from just reading about it, it looks like there was like a, it was kind of a continuity bomb. Like it didn't line up with the continuity of the episode. So it was almost a totally independent piece that they had been thinking about for years and it didn't line up to what the show was doing. So it just kind of comes out of nowhere and goes away out of Weird. nowhere, which I think is what you're kind of playing with. You're playing with fire a little bit. Whereas with Buffy, it's like it all just works so perfectly. And I think that's why it sticks around. But with Psych, it's like people really love it. It seems like a, a, a loved episode for fans of the show. But it's like you you do have to let go of a lot of the continuity stuff. But it is all original music, which I think is pretty cool. And then another example of this is an episode, a show I've I've never heard of called Father Ted. Uh, this is from 1996 in the UK. Uh, the episode's called A Song for Europe. And it was the characters in this. I think they run a pub or a bookstore or something. And they are Irish. And they want to write a song for the Eurovision contest. You guys have heard of the Eurovision mm -hmm song contest right so it's like every country writes a song and they do a whole like mm -hmm. american idol type of thing well at this point when the show in 1996 ireland had won three years in a row so the whole gist of this episode was they were going to write a bad song like they they just wanted to, to enter the contest because they had won so much so they wrote a really bad song and then they were going to pretend 
Uh, then they were going to enter that, but then they were like, oh no, this song is really terrible. So we're just going to steal another song and see if anybody notices. And then somebody else, I think, did the song and they were like, shit, we have to do our bad song. So they did the bad song and they ended up winning anyway. And you could laugh, haha, that's funny because Ireland is on a winning streak. But it turns out Ireland won again. And what I didn't know about the Euro song, Eurovision Song Contest is that whoever wins has to host the contest. Mm. So all these people come in and apparently it costs a ton of money. It's like the Olympics. Yeah. Like most cities don't want the Olympics. So the fact that they won and this third year, they purposefully put out a lackluster song in the hopes of losing and they won. <laughs> so they had to host again. <laughs> then Norway won that year. So they thank God they got to take a break on Norway. And then that year that the Norway competition was going on, that's when this episode came out. And that was the year that Ireland won again. So they won four out of five years. And they just happened to win while this episode was going on. They have not won since then. Uh, Currently, Rotterdam is the Eurovision winner. Where is Uh, Rotterdam? And Ireland has not won since 1996. So just thought everybody should know. The final two categories I have are musicals that are imagined or hallucinated or in an alternate reality. Mm. Uh, famously, we have like Fringe with Brown Betty. Brown Betty is a strain of marijuana that our character smokes, and he tells a story to one of our characters uh, that just have our other characters from it, you know, sort of singing and dancing and all that kind of stuff. So it has nothing to do with this episode, completely no- nothing. My Little Pony has one too that takes place during Christmas where, uh, I'm just, just to get this right, um, Starlight Glimmer doesn't want to participate in her... The Earth uh, doesn't want to participate in the festivities. So Twilight Sparkle and Spike, who is one of the My Little Ponies, <laughs> LOL, uh, tell her a story about Snowfall Frost. Um, and they sing songs. So it's just kind of a storytelling device um, through which they sing. Um, there was a show called Chicago Hope back in 1997, as well as Scrubs in 2007 had the same concept. A patient has a fall or, or something goes wrong and they start hallucinating people singing and um, you know, our characters basically do that. Famously, you would know Stacia uh, Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. Callie gets into a car crash, hallucinates herself over herself singing. However, the songs are just songs from the show, almost like it is designed to be sold on iTunes to buy. <laughs> um, and people hated it. I mean, they, they, some people loved it. We're fine with it, but some people absolutely hated it. And I think that's like, Probably the most uh, nefarious type of example where it's like, we already kind of do song stuff. We already play new songs. We're known for that. And then we just have a character basically sing to themselves the whole time. So that's Well, plus tough. Sarah Ramirez, who plays Callie, I think that's her name, mm-hmm. um, is, is yeah. also a, like a singer. Like she, mm. she's made uh, music, her own music before. So I think like that makes it extra like, come on, guys. Well, people said she popped. People were well, like, she's a she great popped. singer. There's I mean, nothing wrong the with her voice. Great sure. shit. Yeah. But we hate the we hate the whole idea. Yeah. We love her. We hate the whole idea. Uh, so again, when you're not using your own songs, that's pretty tough. And then finally, that '70s show, uh, Fez has a, a he's trying out for a musical, and he just you know uh, hallucinates, if you will, or dreams of everybody watching him do the musical. So there's a bunch of songs from the Carpenters, the Turtles, Steve Miller Band, you know, '70s songs that he gets to envision himself being in. And then finally, the last one, which is the one that we're in right now with Buffy, is a musical that's brought upon by magic, but usually has a self-referential element to it. Uh, obviously, once more with feeling is number one. Xena Warrior Princess would be the one that anybody who wants to get into a fight about this will get into a fight about. <laughs> the Bittersweet 1998, they were the first one. So this was exactly the same sort of concept. Um, Xena and whoever, Gabrielle, How dare go you? to the land of Illusia. 
What? What? You didn't know Gabrielle. You don't know? I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who Gabrielle's. Anyways, they go off to the, that land and they sing it out because of their own sort of feeling. So they're doing with once more just with the feeling element. Uh, Futurama <laughs> also had uh, an episode called uh, The Devil's Hands Are Idle Playthings. Same thing where, um, you know, Bender is uh, trying to woo. Uh, what's her name? Leanna? Layla? Layla? Leela? Well, Lila? Fry would be Lila. wooing Leela. Not uh, right. Oh, so Ben. Well, Bender. Bender. Oh, maybe I have it wrong. Then Fry is maybe doing the thing. He I'll sells a soul to a robot sure. devil to get a magic fiddle. Right? Isn't that that episode? No, that's another one. Oh, this one okay. is the one where he spins a wheel to get the devil's hands, and with the devil's hands, he's able to write it. Oh, opera. and he plays the devil. Yeah, this is a potential okay. like um, series finale right. too. Um, so it was kind of like a big summation using music to do it. So that was more of a musical, unlike the others. That's just like a song, you know, one song to play the fiddle or whatever. Um, more contemporary are, is The Flash um, in 2017, and the same with uh, Batman from 2007. There is a character in the DC universe called the Music Meister oh. who forces Batman to sing on the animated series in 2009 and then is a villain on The Flash and f- forces The Flash into a coma, and he sings about his feelings in that world. Um, that's as far as I can tell. So that's another, you know, sort of outside character doing that. And then finally, to shout out Jane Espenson, Once Upon a Time, uh, the, the show on ABC, mm-hmm. uh, The Song in Your Heart, Season 6, Episode 20 from 2017. Um, I, I assume it's Snow White, but Snow mm-hmm. White and David, um, you know, make a wish in the Enchanted Forest and turn everyone into a song from the past. So they're kind of, um, you know, playing with time and everybody sings a song out. And uh, even on that show, Jane Espenson was a showrunner and she was like, it was too expensive for us to do a, to do that early in our run. Mm-hmm. We could only do a musical years after the fact. So it's kind of interesting. And the, the, the only thing that I can sort of glean from this is that there are musicals and musicals exactly the way that Joss Whedon puts it. You're either doing songs that are already out there or you're writing your own songs. And for me, it's like, you have to have the original songs I think to be considered. And I think it has to have a connective tissue to the plot. Like, you know, psych would be out for not being able to do that. Continuity problems, bottle episodes, like they're fun. Don't get me wrong. But I think that's why once more with feeling is like the best out of all of them. You know, even if some of the ones where they sing it and like it, it resonates thematically with the show, I don't know. It's just not, it's not an original musical. I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree with Joss Whedon's sentiment in that, that this, but I don't have a lot of context. I haven't seen a ton of TV musicals with the exception of watching all of Glee and then the episodes that you were rattling off of shows that I have watched. I haven't actually watched all of Glee. I missed the last like season and a half. I don't even know why I just said that. Um, <laughs> I feel face. like we have a glaring oversight here, you guys. Please tell us. Yeah, what's that? My what's crazy that? ex-girlfriend. Oh my fucking God. Yeah. That was my first. Uh, oh sorry, my God. I didn't even say that at the top. Uh, at the top, I wrote, the crazy ex-girlfriend 100% excluded from this because yes. every episode is a musical okay. show. It doesn't even Thank count. You. It's like, it's just oh like, my God. Yeah. I felt like I was having a stroke the longer you were talking and I'm like, when is he going to name it? When is he going to name it? And then Kelly's sitting over here like, well, I've never watched much musicals and I'm like, where are we? <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? Thank God. I, should, I can't believe I skipped right over it. Yes, no, that, oh my that God. is like, because that's that's exactly what you want. It's not that it doesn't count. It's absolutely this, uh, every episode and it's yeah. great. Uh, incredible and they they did so much work every episode talking about like big budget numbers every episode man and just like so good and so funny I'm so glad you said that because I forgot who was a show that's entertainment Josh said in, in uh, throughout the commentary he said that uh, which was pretty um, what's the word I'm looking for patronizing I think a little bit where he's like 
I also didn't want this to go over time because I didn't want this to be a special event. Every episode of TV could be like this. TV's not beneath musicals, which I agree. Like, big budget, awesome musicals. Uh, you just have to care enough to do it. And fucking hell, Rachel Bloom's like, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> I do it every week. Uh, so Stacia's a better fantasy watcher than I think either of us might be, for sure. She's seen way more fantasy yeah. TV. Yeah. Do you have, is there anything that sticks in your mind that's like the best musical episode? Buffy mm. Notwithstanding, My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend Notwithstanding. No. No, I mean, I think the ones that come to mind are movies and not episodes of TV. Yeah. Although I'm also very unlikely, I watch more TV than I do movies, but once I finished it, I'm very unlikely to be like, that specific episode and like remember it clearly after the fact. Mm. So even ones that I've seen that have musicals, I'm like vaguely like, huh. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, even when you were rattling off all those ones, like I've seen all the, a bunch of those series, I don't remember the musical. The episode. shows, yeah, Scrubs like, or whatever. You're like, ah, yeah. I vaguely have seen yeah. that too, and I'm like, oh, it sounds okay. right. Yeah, I don't know. So another question for you, Stacia. Mm. So you famously hate dream episodes, dream sequences. Ooh, I do. Obviously, Restless was not terrible. Not a fan of that. So <laughs> how do you feel about the musical episode that's completely removed and, and it's essentially worthless to the plot? Yeah, those don't bother me. Okay, so the musical makes a difference. See, because Daniel. I think that we're on the same page where it's like, if there's no value to the musical, then I don't want it. I, I, do, I don't need to hear, hear a Jackson Brown song sung by my favorite character yeah. on Riverdale or whatever. I, like, I, I mean, that's no. that's totally fine, and I definitely understand that, but I also feel like even if it's kind of a worthless musical number, it plays the same function as a dream scene and it's more fun to watch than a dream scene so i think that's a totally yeah. valid argument <laughs> no no i totally i like i would rather have more stuff going on like higher production value i guess but totally totally but i yeah, do love a dream dancing, episode so. singing and you know if it's a pop culture song it's probably a song that i already know so that's satisfying like yeah do i need to have the characters of riverdale sing hedwig and the angry inch no but like was i mad that it was happening no i was laughing yes. and kelly was screaming in the background <laughs> yeah. and that's like a lot it's more great. impactful than just like oh i'm falling through space and now there's a cow and weird things are happening and take what you want from this and like whatever <laughs> well i just Incredible. wanted to get your perspective i think that, yes. i'm glad we have ever, all this on the record it's good it's good yeah uh, thank you so much for that dive you know i think that, that you got, yeah. gave me exactly what i wanted answered all good. of my questions so thank i just realized i uh would like to take back my previous statement that i don't know what my favorite musical episode is because one that just came to mind that i literally watched like yesterday <laughs> nice was uh in legacies which oh, is yeah, right. a spin-off of a spin-off of vampire diaries vampire diaries <laughs> and basically it's essentially the children of the characters that were in vampire diaries are in a magical school together and what they do is they put on a musical play enacting the story from Vampire Diaries and they sing it and that's really funny. <laughs> it's basically like the scene in Zeppo where they're, you know, or no, like um, the scene I was explaining about Angel where Wesley and Cordelia are making fun of Buffy and Angel, mm -hmm. but a musical version of it. Yeah, it's really good. funny. <laughs> well, so that would definitely work. That totally works. Yeah, I, I didn't even see that. Original so. music and everything. It's too new. Didn't that season just come yeah, out? Yeah, too new. Yeah, see, there's not enough hot, historical ago, hot takes about it yet. Yeah. So. so that's my first hot take. She's cool. She's hot. She's tepid. She's all temperature buffy. Now, can we concentrate on the game here? Well, speaking of a mu original music and how it's better than not original music in a musical, what's your favorite song songs mm -hmm. in mm. this show? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Once more feeling. Yeah. I think that's a hard question. Uh, so what I'm going to do is answer the question I wish you had asked, which is the most fun song. Great. And the most fun song is um, Anya and Xander's duet. Mm. I'll never, I'll never tell. tell. Yeah. That... 
I mean, it is really fun, undeniably. And I even love their little costumes. Like, the set's great. The way that the camera pans out in a classic, like, musical thing with the overhead crane shot thing. Yeah, it's very, very good. What about least favorite? Um, I don't know if you can even call it a song, but Dawn's two lines and then her ballet dance. (laughs) Uh, so that's excruciating. I wish it was completely removed. If you have to talk about stuff to cut out, there we go. But that does bring up a good point. What is a song? So I'm basically going to be going through the episode (laughs) based on kind of the, uh, the track listing from the soundtrack. So if it counts it as a song, I'm going to count it as a song. Donselment, definitely a song. Um, but, but what I would count as a song in reality would be the ones that have lyrics. And again, Donselment. Technically there are lyrics. (laughs) If you... Aren't if you aren't counting Don's Lament, I would say the worst song is Under Your Spell. Ooh, controversial. I controversial. know. I know. I know. Wow. But valid. I think. I think valid. Uh, Joss Whedon just said uh, during the commentary, "This is pornography." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it basically is. This um, is pornography. And um, there's nothing I can say to, to change your mind about that fact. Um, it's probably the dirtiest lyric I've ever written. Um, but um, it's also very, very beautiful. Well, okay. I know when we were talking about this before we started recording, Kelly said that she thinks that um, Amber Benson and Anthony Stewart Head have the best voices in the cast. And I disagree. I don't like Amber Benson's voice. <gasps> find it kind of like nails on a chalkboard She gets really pitchy sometimes. Yeah. Um... I don't sorry, like Amber. her outfit. Also, I feel like it's like one of the ugliest things they put her in. I'm sorry. That corset thing is terrible. I feel like it just it just exaggerates her bad posture. I 100% disagree. I think this is the best. I know it's very Renaissance fair and really so over the bad. top. Ridiculous. I think this is the best outfit she's in. I think she looks beautiful. Her and so Alice Hannigan. So bad. Beautiful. I don't like this, it. Like during the Her sequence. like horrific ballet interlude oh. with the random people in the park when she's. No. Oh. No, no. And then, yeah, just like uh, Kelly said, Jaw said, it's straight pornography at the end when she like <laughs> lays down on the bed and then Willow like like travels downwards out I'm of scene. And I'm I was cum. like, I'm come. Yes. And I was like, where did Willow go? And Kelly was like, to make a sandwich, obviously. <laughs> uh, I will tell you what Stacia said when the song began was fucking disgusting. <laughs> Well, what was it that she says? Oh, like, I know what they see in me. You. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is horrific. It's just, like, so saccharine, and her voice makes it even worse. And it's just like, ugh. When I listen to the musical soundtrack, which I have done in the car sometimes for commutes, I will skip that song. Uh. I am so happy you brought the, brought the pain. That was I was not so expecting good. this. So good. All of it's just terrible. Oh. <laughs> See, this is what we need in a, in the in your life. It's like different viewpoints. Yes. I would have, I never, I would never have expected anybody <laughs> to to say that. It's wild. I would never expect anyone. To say, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, you're just yelling, fucking disgusting. And I was like, I thought she was kidding at first to be like, I don't know, like ah, gay people are like something like a joke or something. Nope, <laughs> legitimately mad at legitimately the disgusted. Uh, just the way she's. You know what they see in me? <laughs> you. <sighs> I'm about to sing about it for two minutes. Uh, Strap in. I won't. I won't deny that that is weak. <laughs> like that part does suck. I mean, I like the jokes with the boys oh, yeah. or whatever. But yeah. yeah, once it like just the transition to the song, I was like, 
I think all of your your critiques are totally valid, except for the outfit. I fucking hundred <laughs> percent disagree with I don't the like outfit. her outfit. She just looks ridiculous. Like, can I get Incredible. a jug of ale, please? <laughs> uh, who doesn't love uh, a busty wench? Huzzah! Oh, come on! <laughs> good tidings! <laughs> what is she doing? Living her best goddamn life. Who does ballet in a corset? Like, I tell you what, this is just awful. Oh, God. Any other songs that evoke such a reaction from you? No, I, I feel like I should be done now. <laughs> Okay, Daniel, your turn. <laughs> Please, yes. So I was thinking this whole time, it's like every song has a motivation, so I can't, you can't like throw any of them necessarily out. Mm. Uh, maybe Don's Lament can go. But the rest of them all like have a reason for their existence, which I do like. Like I like that they're all different styles. You, It's all about preference at that point, mm. right? So it's like I prefer Tara and her ethereal pop <laughs> over Giles Who cover. <laughs> I'll say that. Uh, Spike's like proto punk glam rock song. I, I prefer that over uh, what is it? Uh, the retro pastiche that mm-hmm. will never be a breakaway pop mm-hmm. hit. So I prefer that over. Uh, and I prefer Buffy's like I want song, you know, the, mm-hmm. the first one going through the motions over the end. Like I, I like it better than uh, something to sing about. Um, and I prefer like walking, th- walk through fire is my number is my mm-hmm. favorite song on the whole thing. I really fucking love it because it's like the best of everything. It's like you have all the motivations laid out. You've got funny lines from someone like Willow just rocking out. But then you have like the best lines of the show, which is like things have gotten really dark from Tara and stuff. They're just everything. Everyone's talking and it's wonderful. And Buffy is just like commanding it and she does a great job on both like not only um that song but also going through the motions and something to think about if you're gonna rank it like that is one thing but i would think about like revelations right because all these characters are saying things that we've already learned i would say that if you're gonna rank it by revelations my number one would have to be under your spell under your spell by far like we know that willow's doing this but Tara is finding out for the first time. Like in terms of like things that happen in this episode, that's... she doesn't find out. Like it's like the audience, like it's the reprise duet that's actually yeah. the, the the revelation, not during Under Your Spell. Right, and for me, that's why I, this is where the quibble sort of comes in. Where I'm like, is that a song? But even yeah. when she's singing it on the first one, it becomes super dark later. Right. So it, mm-hmm. it it all kind of informs itself. Looking back on it makes it like a way better song just because the tone completely changes. Right. So for me that's my number one just it would have to be my number one for revelations. Number two would have to be I'll never t- uh, sorry is um what you feel because he's a brand new character. What you feel. So so we don't even know him so revelation wise he's a bad guy. So it would have to be number two. And then I'll never tell would be number three because we never get like a good Xander Anya talk. Like we've heard both their sides, but we've never had it hashed out as much. So those are the only three that give us anything really new. Giles, we've already heard. Spike, we already know. Buffy, we already know. All that stuff, we've already know. She she thought she was in heaven. Like the song is excellent. Oh, I, see. I was going to say, what are you talking about? It has to be. I know, but revelation wise, to them it is, but not to us. Right. You know, for as an audience member, the Tara stuff hits really hard. Uh, the bad guy almost doesn't count. So it's really Tara and then Xander and Anya. Uh, but I think walk personally, Walk Through Fire is my favorite. Under Your Spell is my number two. I love Under Their Spell. <laughs> I think it's excellent. Nice. I think she's nice. awesome. I love her. I love her dress. I love the yes. you complete me. Let's go. I mean, it's great. <laughs> it's so because it's so dark. And like and Willow never fucking saying a line in this. I know she didn't like to sing. That's a whole thing. Everybody knows the lore. But I think 
uh, in the show. It's so awesome that she's so powerful and she doesn't say a word. It just works. It works on an unnecessary level because she doesn't even have to sing. She holds so much sway over someone like Tara that Tara does all the singing for her. I think that's fucking awesome. And it's just, it's great. And that's why Under Your Spell is like top notch. And I do love her and her and, and, um, and Giles singing together. Fucking awesome. Mm. Love it. Yeah. Sad. I mean, having a good point. Having the knowledge, like, that this is not actually a saccharine song. This is a fucking terrible, sad song because none of this is true. Makes it feel different. But on the surface, I completely agree with you. If you take it at face value of just like this is an over the top, sappy love song, I mean, yeah. It's I mean, like, that's what it is, though. Because, yeah. like, as an audience member, you know, Under Your Spell means literally, obviously, she's just like, I'm in love with you. I'm using, like, pretty language or whatever. I do think it's interesting mentioning that willow doesn't sing because i've never really thought about it before but you know you would think it should be a, like a couple duet like you have with xander and anya that there right. would be like an equal give and take and it's just tara is the only one who's doing anything and willow's just kind of like you know taking all of her like emotions and lyrics and everything and doesn't feel the need to reciprocate <laughs> um yeah. and the only other time that happens is with buffy and spike right where one person is being sung to and isn't participating and they have a very toxic relationship. Right. But we do get the reprise. And then at the end, yeah. yeah. Then at the end, Buffy's like, actually. <laughs> but you don't get that with Willow. And that's why Willow's like the one outlier in the whole thing. It's like, because yeah. even that gets a reprise. Everything gets a reprise but fucking Willow. Yeah. What about you, Kelly? What's what's your top? Top and bottom. Yeah. My, like, if you if you take it as a separate song, I mean, and like I said, I just, just for the sake of my own sanity, so I didn't have to keep like everything separate or not together or whatever i just went by the track listing of the um, of the soundtrack to keep it separated and the uh standing and uh, under your spell reprise are for a separate song for me and i think that's the best song uh in the show not only because i i love what we're conveying because there's so much like heartbreak in that song but musically i think it's beautiful amber benson i agree can be kind of pitchy she's really sharp a lot i think that under your spell was not quite in her range mm -hmm. but they pushed her to do it because mm -hmm. he wanted it in a certain way whereas the reprise her, she's allowed to sing it a lower, and it sounds so much better. And the way that that Anthony Stewart had and Amber Benson sing together, yeah, I agree. It's just beautiful. Uh, it's definitely like one of those goosebump things when they like hit that sustained stay kind of thing. Um, and Joss Whedon said that was like the best treat of his career. Yeah, this hearing them that. sing together, and I'm like, I yeah, man. I, yeah, especially being there on the day. Like, I know they pipe in the audio usually, and they kind of just like band my But even like being with them in the recording studios and stuff, I bet that was really cool. Um, so that's for sure my favorite. But I also love all of Buffy songs. I think that hers stand out the most. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, the opening song. Why can't I remember the name of the songs? It's right in front of me. Yeah, there you go. That's the one. Uh, I think that's fantastic. And uh, I mean, you you need you need all of her songs to really move it along because it's about Buffy and like we're coming to the point of yeah, oh, she, yeah. she's confessing her thing. So uh, that would be my favorite. My least favorite is probably Spike's song. Um, even <laughs> even uh, taking Dawn's song into account. Oh, I think Dawn's really? song. Fuck <laughs> out of here. No, you're out. Oh, we're done. God. We're done. You'll take the mustard over Spike song. You're out of your fucking mind. Are you Absolutely. kidding me when Absolutely. he's talking about my heart beating in my chest? Yeah. But you don't so the care. bridge, like, the bridge of that song, the bridge of that song is great. But the but the rest of it, and it's like that line where he's like, my, "If my heart could beat, I would break my chest." That was one of the first things that Josh wrote. So the first things he wrote was was under your spell. Uh, the line specifically. Um, I think that I am under your spell. That was like the first thing he wrote. And then the, he was writing that and Spike song were the first two things he wrote. He's like, I knew I wanted to do the heart. Um, heart could be, would break my chest line. I think the bridge is great. The, the bridge is infallible, but I just think it's silly. I think it's like, 
I don't know, like I'm a rock guy, so in a not good. But way. it has to. He's a he's that character. Yeah. But it I but know, it is but doing I mean, everything it, that he feels. I mean that yeah. everything he says is what he feels. Yeah. But it just uh it it's I do not I do not like that one very much. You don't <laughs> I could be your slave, yeah. I mean that doesn't, that doesn't really work at all. I think that, that sentiment of like I love you. I hate you. I love you. I hate you. Gets a little exhausting. I think you're right, though. It is true to his character where, like, he wants to be this badass, but he's just like, mm-hmm. oh, look how tough I am. Actually, I'm not very tough. Mm-hmm. So that does work. But, yeah, just musically. But you have to have Buffy later in the episode rebuff him and then make out with him. Like, I mean, that the true. song almost has to lead to that. That's true. I've been making shows of trading blows, just hoping no one knows that I've been going through the motions. Walking through the part, nothing seems to penetrate my heart. Well, why don't we talk about these songs in a slightly more structured way? I'll try not to get too into the weeds now that we know each other's best and worst. Don's lament clearly superior to Spike's song. Uh, <laughs> that will not make the podcast. <laughs> I am the editor and I have control. <laughs> I, I will shape your opinions for the crowd. Uh, okay, just a quick note. The main title, obviously, where we have the credits and uh, the dramatic. It's a you know the Buffy theme song, but done by Christophe Beck and said, and I thought that was pretty neat. Anyway, so the overture that was just cut out of the episode ruthlessly by the UK and well, I guess it was the syndication people um, was you know that and then go through the motions my, fa- my favorite line you know will i stay this way forever sleepwalk through li- my life's endeavor even my grandma got super pumped when uh when that song was going on you know she doesn't know anything about the show but even those other guys you know sort of you know singing with her was just so charming that mm-hmm. anybody can just get on board and be like oh this is great we love it i she think it's super an- into it Great way to open the show too, because it's really upbeat. That you know the music, I mean, it's like dun 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 dun, yeah. gets you ready for it. And they, it was very cinematic the whole way. I mean, Joss was clearly aware of what he wanted it to be, like everything wider, everything brighter. Like, it's, it just really, really works to pull you into like this is what it's going to be. We're doing a musical, and it's going to be excellent, and then just funny and meta too, right? Because like we have the the demon talking straight to the screen immediately, so we're breaking the fourth wall and just like, you know, the stake through the heart when penetrate my heart and just like yes. all that stuff that's like right on the line of silly joss mentioned that a bunch where it's like it, it can get too silly really easily so it's like a very fine needle to thread and i think that it's just very successful and go through the motion sets the stage for everything it's the i want song and it just it's it's great i love it it's an uh, encapsulation of what we've thought about buffy for the last at least six episodes if not longer you know this i mean since her since she came back you know, it is exactly what she's what we th- I would say that maybe the weakness is, is that we've kind of critiqued the show a little bit on not showing enough maybe of it because we've been dealing with like money issues and stuff. But if you take all that together and like just maybe not don't think about the episodes too much, but think about like the whole idea of what they're trying to convey, then it does work out a lot better because Buffy is sort of, you know, listless, aimless, doesn't know what to do. And that makes the song even even better. So. And it's her actually getting to say what she means in her own yeah. voice, right? I mean, she talks to Spike truthfully a couple of times, but we don't get a whole lot of it. So mostly people expecting Buffy to be acting differently or e- expecting her to, uh, to to be okay immediately uh, or have the plan or, or do the thing. And it's for her like getting the opportunity as the audience to be like, this is Buffy singing from her heart about what she feels. She's feeling a little out of sync, guys. She died. Next song, 
I got a theory. Bunnies, if we're together. So a lot of these like little suites are clearly more than one song at once, but it kind of just like that's the one track. Uh, the respect the crawler and tame the donut joke. Did you know that that's a reference to the movie Magnolia starring Tom Cruise, which I have definitely never seen? Do you know what the line from the movie actually is? Respect Mm-mm. the penis. I don't know. Yes. Respect oh, the cock God. and tame the cunt. Isn't that beautiful? Aren't we so happy that Jalsa Whedon put that into the show and that he used a long skinny donut and a round donut accordingly? Upsetting. Very Sexy. cool. Oh, sorry. Upsetting. Shouldn't it be know. respect the donut and tame the crueler then? No, because the crawler is the cock. He says, respect the crawler and tame the donut. But isn't a crawler round? No, the crawler's long. The, oh. oh, no, no, yeah. Okay, so somebody pointed that out. He's not actually holding a crawler. He's oh. holding a weird long john donut, but he says crawler. Okay. Yeah. So they fucked up the joke. He fucked they up the fucked terrible it. joke. That's why they cut it out. That's why it wasn't in the fucking shortened yeah. version. So they were like, yeah, we're done. No loss there. Yes, exactly. Over it. Uh, the, I've got a theory fucking awesome Bunny's absolutely hilarious grandma laughed out loud I think <laughs> if we're together being cut is criminal I think it's mm-hmm. super fucking important mm-hmm. and that this whole suite is like essential cannot be cut you cannot make this a 42 episode 42 minute episode it has to have this song in it you need to cut something else cut fucking Don's Lament more I don't know <laughs> Yeah. I don't know what else yeah. to do just cut her out of the episode I don't know what I else mean- to say <laughs> You kind of could. I mean, it feels like you need this because at the end, Giles is like, go alone. And then they renege and they actually go to join her. And that's just playing on this theme of Buffy's like, I need my family. I need my friends here. And Giles is saying, I'm going to leave you. <laughs> and also it's Bye. do or die. Hey, I've died. Tr- tw- I've tr- died twice. Are you yeah. kidding me? We're not going to do that line. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. We're done. Tara even yeah. calls back directly to this song during uh, Walk Through the Fire when she says, what can't we face if we're together? And it's like, mm-hmm. uh, what? Oh, what a cool line to come out of nowhere. How dare you? Uh, so Joss Whedon said about, well, during this song, the trick was to bring people into a musical and accept that they were in one. To say right up front, this is a musical comedy. We did that visually by pumping up the color, the lighting, doing a lot of continuous shots, and filming it in widescreen. I've got a theory was a way for the characters to say, hey, we're in a musical and we don't like it either. So the audience can get over itself and get into it a lot easier. And I think that that is true, too, for people who are holdouts who just just don't like musicals to begin with. It makes it a lot easier to be like, oh, yeah, okay." so they all recognize that this is weird. I think it's weird, too. So we can just like let's let go that it's weird and just enjoy. you let the the bad dancing go away. You let Mustard Song and Parking Ticket go away because, yeah, it's like it's almost supposed to be bad. Yeah, exactly. So it's already commenting on itself and like. I think that is really essential. Uh, Bunnies apparently was done in that style of like the kind of glam rock style because I guess on set, um, Emma Caulfield would often metal sing Joss's words at him and be like, Joss, we did, you directed the show. Apparently is what she liked to do. So she got to do Bunnies like that. (laughs) It's excellent. It's absolutely one of the highlights. I love it. Okay. The best song on the album, Mustard, obviously, 19 seconds Mm -hmm. of pure glory. Uh, <laughs> David Fury? Hey, that's David Fury. <laughs> Joss didn't want to do a bunch of big budget dance scenes because, but he felt that he had to do them to just like pay homage to the musical genre because what's a musical without a big dance number? So he just figured he would get it out of the way, something short and quick to be like, look, we did it. And then Buffy could even be like, you know, not just us and be over with it. Did you know that Sesame Street episode 4,220? Can you believe Reference that? Reference it? Wow. Uh, in 2010, yeah, it makes a reference to Once More a Feeling. 
Both stories are about characters falling under a spell that makes them sing involuntarily. David Fury celebrates the removal of a mustard stain from his red shirt. This is from the wiki. <laughs> While Chris, a, presumably a character in the episode, requests that Leela help him get the mustard stain out of his red shirt. Can you believe? Dope. <laughs> 4,220 all... episodes, and that was 11 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Dear God. We love it. God bless so you, Sesame Street. Much. Okay. When are we what... doing our Sesame Street pod? I know. Right? <laughs> if we started today, we would probably die about a quarter of the way through. <laughs> I guess it would depend on how many episodes we did today. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We'll just crank them it's out. True. We'll just actually start. We'll play it like we'll record while we're watching the episode. Mm-hmm. It'll just be active commentary. The boys really thought I was hot? Entirely. Oh, my God. I'm cured. I want the boys. <laughs> Do I have to fight to keep you? Because I'm not large with the butch. I'm just not used to that. They, they, they were really looking at me? And you can't imagine what they see in you. I know exactly what they see in me. You. I don't know what there is left to say about this song, but Under Your Spell is next. <laughs> um, uh, the end of Under Your Spell, where Willow uh, leaves the screen to make a sandwich, was actually cut out of broadcast in some countries, shockingly, like the wow. Philippines Shocking. and China. The UK. Because lesbians. Actually, not the UK, although I don't know if that's right. I feel like it must have been cut out of the UK, or at least the syndicated whatever cut down one. Or it, I don't know, it could be. It's 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 the most explicit I think we ever are about them having sex, for sure. Like, oh, so, oh, absolutely. In Seeing Red, they're constantly in bed together, but like this is way more mm. way more uh, explicit. I don't know what you're talking about. Willow's clearly making a sandwich. <laughs> Well, because it's it's like spelled out enough. I mean, come on, I I I you make me complete like get out of here. But you know, it is vague enough, right? Some places didn't ban it, some did. Yeah, you know, you got to be an idiot to not kind of put two and two together. But yeah, that'd be rough. But apparently, after coming from the total lack of subtlety from the great, your Ooh. grandma was like, "Oh yeah, this is just nice. It's this just is gals so being pals. What <laughs> good roommates." I, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do they run the household what's going on here are they just roommates like what's going uh, is that their daughter wow uh, or, you know, where's the husband I don't know well you know there's a line in there you know now I'm bathed in light something's just not right you know even in even in the the before she gets the knowledge yeah. it's dark you know nothing I can do you just took my soul with you which is like romantic but then ah, yeah I mean, we as viewers know that she's already being mm-hmm. totally manipulated. Yeah, so it 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 already has that cast to it, and it, that it that's that's what, the only thing that makes the song good. Like, if you're gonna find correct, uh, like, remove the the sacredness and remove maybe not the best uh, music. It's that definitely. So Which is your idea, up. Kelly? You love that the pop music songs that are like you know fun and light and and fluffy and and are also dark. The lyrical mm-hmm. content is dark. Yes. You don't you don't pick it up the first time, but when you know the story, it's like wow, that's looking at up. you, Postal Service. Did you know that this song was the scene was filmed at Kenneth Han Park in Los Angeles? Bet you didn't know that. Moving on, I didn't even know that part. I'm recording existed. from Kenneth Han Park. <laughs> There's two worlds. There's two wolves inside of you. <laughs> one that doesn't know Kenneth on Park exists and one that's coming to you live from it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so on the internet. <laughs> edit this out. No, never. Your commentary sustains me. <laughs> uh, Moving on. I'll never tell. Oh, wait. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. You, would you like to? I no. mean, you could do it. All my notes are right there. No. You, I'm literally just reading from my notes no. for the first time Please possibly continue. ever. 
Would you say it was a breakaway pop hit or more of a book number? Let it go, sweetie. We get a throwback to Pangs with the syphilis. Oh, yeah, yeah. probably didn't get that. That's right. I mean, why would you? But it's also just a funny line in and of itself. His penis got diseases from the Shumash tribe. Mm-hmm. Great. Anya's line in this song, I'll never tell, towards the end where she says, will I look good when I've gotten old, was originally going to be, will he look at me when I get old? Joss changed it because he liked the way that the like internal rhyme worked better with the former, but he regretted it because the meaning of the line got completely lost. It was supposed to be Anya worrying about if Xander would still be attracted to her once she's old, but what it came out was with the way that the line ended up. It just sounded like Anya was being vain, kind of just like out of nowhere, just like oh, what about, what I about always, me? I always took it as her worrying about Xander. It's really, insane. I know the yeah, whole I song never read is like about that. the whole song is her worries about Xander. Right? Why would you? Why would you not think that? Yeah. Yeah. That's why. Well, excuse me, Joss. We knew I was an idiot. <laughs> it was like I regret it because I think people are gonna get lost, and I did. So that that totally changed the little end part for me because I I always was like, wow, that was it. Always felt so out of place. Like suddenly she's like. Well, will I be st- still well, sexy? That's, when we watched it, what was it that Xander said? Uh, what's his line like right before that that he asked about Anya? Oh, a pot of gold. Is oh, she looking for a pot is she gold? looking for a pot of gold? And I was like, obviously she's not. <laughs> you're like, because not when did she start dating you when you didn't have a job and you lived in your mom's basement? Mm-hmm. And then she said, well, I look good when I've gotten old. And I was like, that's a good question. And she didn't even say anything. But my point was, like, Xander, will you still like me when I'm ugly? <laughs> or yeah. do you just want me because I'm pretty? Which I've always been pretty, right? Like, those are, like, two different things. I don't know why Xander would be like... Oh, she only wants me for my money, which I just recently acquired, even though we've been dating a long time. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> Xander's dumb. I know. Well, he also, in that song before, <laughs> says uh, something about, you know, if I'm not successful or whatever. So, yeah. You know, that's definitely, I mean, th- for his character, too, that's like a definite sore spot. Uh, yeah, he's. Pu- I feel like he's putting a lot of crap on Anya that isn't actually anything that Anya's causing and then Anya's like legitimately being like are you actually gonna like me though because I've seen this get messed up so many times and Xander's like I don't know I'm not sure I want to marry you (laughs) she's like I mean this was your idea oh my god like looking how many ways can she say that (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) the best part about this was after the song where she asked uh, talks about the song being a breakaway pop hit and yeah Xander says work with me British man Giles, you gotta stop it. Well, I am looking into some leads, and well, I, I, clearly our number is a retro pastiche. It's never going to be a breakaway pop hit. Work with me, British man. Oh yeah, so Joss hates when in musicals they end the big number with like a ha ha ha, like uproarious laugh break because it's always so cringy. So that's why it immediately cuts to it was a nightmare, uh, and that whole scene is is a continuous shot. Mm. If you didn't clock it, and he said it was like twenty six yeah. takes because that is oh. so much going on. The people yeah. dancing in the background, the, the fucking sure. Marty Knoxon's whole song in the foreground, yeah. like all that to be going on, all the cross talking, all of it is like, yeah, no shit. I'm sure that did take forever. I'm I sure mean, everyone was over it, <laughs> and it is really fun because you do see the characters talk about things that they wouldn't have otherwise said. Like Anya would have never straight out asked Xander, "Are you still gonna like me if I get ugly?" Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But then at the end of it, they still have like, like Anya can't let it go. She was like, I don't have hairy toes. And then later calls him like <laughs> Mr. Beady Eyes. eyes. <laughs> yeah. It's like so good. <laughs> totally. So, as I just alluded to, during that little end piece of the song, if you will, the next little scene, parking lot song, parking lot, parking ticket song. <laughs> hey, that's that's Marty Noxon. Did you know that? That's Marty Noxon singing that. We've talked we about it many it. times of already. Of Marty Noxon Vane. Of yeah. Marty Noxon Vane. 
apparently so a lot of why the musical even came together is because i guess like, they would all hang out at joss's house and like do line reads for different stuff and like do little plays and that's how much ado about nothing came up um got filmed in the first place because like during the filming of whatever show angel or even dollhouse amy acker and everybody was at his place and they just like would read shakespeare and stuff apparently they would all sing together too and i guess marty Knoxon has a beautiful singing voice and i mean you don't get to really hear it during this song but uh joss like knew immediately that he was going to find something for her to do in this sure so i and i think it totally works because it's so under the radar the song is longer than you think it is because there's so much going on in that scene but you know she ends it with i'm not wearing underwear line and it's just aces aces it's funny it's funny (laughs) it's good stuff it's good stuff it's funny but totally could have been cut out Um, and kept in disagree uh, together (laughs) together or whatever yeah oh there you go daniel that's the question for you don's lament you're not allowed to take out would you rather have uh we're in this together uh or parking ticket song Mm. rude rude (laughs) Rude. Uh, i would have to say i mean of course parking ticket has to go but I, but I, yeah. but the but the point is the world is, you know. But you can just say, and they did. The world is like that. Mustard conveys what parking ticket does. Exactly. Yeah. I don't hate parking ticket. I think it's a lot of fun. But that's all it is, and that's why I haven't said we need to take the mustard out because I feel like you do need to establish it's not just us. It's everyone, and you have that point of like, look, this is a full somatic thing that's happening in the background. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to do that in our songs because we know other people are doing that. I feel like it does a lot of work in an even shorter amount of time. Yeah. Whereas the parking ticket, it's just kind of funny. But if you take it out, you aren't losing literally anything. So yeah, even them saying, "Hey, you know, it. British man, <laughs> fix this." It's like we already know he is. Like, yeah, nothing in that gets conveyed except for the the build up to the next song, "Rest in Peace." You know, I wonder what Buffy's doing. Well, there she is. So, hey, "Rest in Peace" Spike song. That's the one we're talking about next. So, any idea what's causing this? So that's all. Just come to pump me for information. What else would I want to pump you for? I really just said that, didn't I? This was not my favorite song, not only because the reasons I brought up earlier where I thought it was like kind of like the worst kind of Rocky, if you will. But I think that visually, uh, and Joss agrees, that the the point of the graveyard scene, like once once we get there, it's really messed up. He calls it dicey, the way the filming ended up. Uh, the face morph looks weird, and it's just like a strange thing. I think that he didn't quite get the shots he wanted, so when they ended up piecing it together, it just like didn't super work. I think it was way more distracting than like adding to the... Even to the, the funeral story. in the middle of the night thing. What the fuck is like, that about? Okay, we're, that's fine. I mean, it's whatever. But. I mean, it must be a singing funeral. I'm going to let that go. A singing funeral. And I I agree that the face more looks weird, but I like the idea of it. Like, it's fun that he's just like, I don't even care what you think. I'm just going to go be a vampire now. Like, I'm over <laughs> it, kind of. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I do like that we brought back vintage Spike. So, like, remember when we used to see Spike before? He was always mm-hmm. with the red shirt. Mm-hmm. Always, always. Since the first time we saw him at school hard, he's gotten away from that. And this is actually the last time we'll see him don his OG mm-hmm. Spike outfit. So that's kind of a thing of note, too. I think the two best lines, obviously, we already talked about the bridge and the the heart beating Mm -hmm. would break my chest. Excellent stuff. But I also really like the line, too, that's kind of understated where it's like uh, he said, uh, you know, they couldn't deal whisper in a dead man's ear. It doesn't Mm -hmm. make it real. You know, sort of really highlighting like, yeah, you are leaning on me a lot. I recognize that. And you're not saying the things to your people that you're telling me because you know that I won't say anything. But they're going to either find out or you're going to tell them like, you know. Just, you know, sort of being like, you know, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Mm -hmm. So I think the song, I mean, just like you might not like it. Again, it's all preference. But the song is excellent and really 
everything that he feels and everything that he's really calling Buffy out in a way. And I, and I like that. I like that she's there for it because she needs to hear it. Even though like her giant eye roll at the beginning when he starts singing is like so funny and like so great. Well, and how <laughs> mad he is that he's singing. <laughs> like, he's so a, good. He's trying to <laughs> shove her out the door like, yeah. please, I'm going to start singing. I fucking know go. I'm going to start singing. Time to go. Time to go. <laughs> I feel like I'm going on. Yeah. I mean, That's great. When he does he, the, mm-hmm, like, look yeah. at him, like, so funny. Yeah. It's so bad. So yeah. Bad. That was, like, the moment that he's like, fuck, I'm really in this. <laughs> it's so good. He does the best job of being like, oh, God, I really don't want to do this. Like, that scene in Beetlejuice when they start doing the dance at the end, and you can tell, like, the actors do such a good job of being like, I'm, like, physically being jerked around. I don't want to be dancing right now. And I feel like James Marsters does a great job of that in the singing more than anyone else does. Like, everyone else kind of falls into it, but he's very much like, <laughs> ah. <laughs> I hate this. And at the end, I'd I think that conveys too. Again. When he when he hits the pole and he's like, ah, bugger, bugger this, and goes it's off. It's definitely the song is absolutely true to his character. So like uh, that gives it a huge, huge pass as far as and like, the music's pretty like good. I like the music. I like it's the totally fine. I mean, glam rock type. Uh, yeah. I think that like Joss definitely wrote this song for James Marsters because you know he's got his own music thing. He really likes James Marsters' singing voice. I don't know if this is what he sounds like in his band. I've tried to listen to his band before. Ghost of the Robot, not a fan. Uh, so didn't really dwell on that. But I did have a question about Spike and Buffy's relationship at this moment in time. So he's, I mean, Spike is Spike, right? So he's full of a lot of deluded ideas about what people think and the way the world works and all that kind of stuff. But he seems now more than ever, maybe in the in the season. I mean, I'm like forgetting episodes as we speak uh but crush from last year when uh drusilla comes back and we're dealing with harmony and buffy and when he like ties buffy up and like i will kill them for you because Mm -hmm. i love you uh clearly he thought buffy must have felt something for him too otherwise why will he go out of his way but i think here he's like really saying i know you like me i fucking know you like me because you keep coming Mm -hmm. to me even though you say you don't want to so station do you think that like Based on just what we've seen as the audience, because we've only seen what we see on the show, do you think Buffy's giving him anything so far, like this season, that would make him think like, oh yeah, actually maybe I do have a chance now. Maybe she does like me. I don't think he thinks like, oh, maybe I have a chance now, but he's like, you're taking advantage of me in our relationship because you can't deal with your friends. Mm-hmm. And like kind of basically saying, leave me alone if you're not actually going to treat me like I'm like one of your friends. Or, like, you know, you need to change the way you're handling things because, like, I can't I can't do this anymore. So maybe it's more of just, like, a, a confidence or, like, self-awareness thing, right? It's like, I'm recognizing what you're doing here. You're definitely, like, trying to use me a little bit. Yeah. I will not be used. Well, it's like... I'm William the Bloody. It's like that moment where you're like, I've been really clear. I like you. And you were taking advantage of that without, like, giving me anything back. And at this point, like, I'm not interested in doing that anymore. I'm done. That's and that's why when he's at the end, he was like, yeah, well, let me know when you do realize what you want. Because, like, you have no idea. But I know what I want, which is you, right? Like, that's kind of, like, the underline. Oh, and a nap. He wants a nap. A nap. He wants to rest in peace. He wants to lay his body down. <laughs> <laughs> he he want- <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's absolutely not what he's saying. What he's saying is I want to get laid. And if you're not going to have sex with me, fuck off. I've got better things to do. Like, I think he, he, can, he can sense the tension. But... You know, he knows that he's this character. He's a vampire and he's a bad guy. And I don't know. You know, he's, it's the same until this episode, you know, it, it doesn't change for him. So I guess I don't I don't know. Well, yeah, I think he's like he's at the precipice in the song, right? It's like where yeah. he's saying fucking go or stay, man. But you got to make a choice because I'm over it. And then, you know, by the end, I stay. Mm-hmm. We kiss. Fucking house is down. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Showtime. 
<laughs> Again, best song. I know I've already said that with Mustard, but the real best song. Dawn's Lament slash Dawn's Ballet. What? I'm just got to say it. Best song. No, no, I don't actually feel it's best song. Though Joss Whedon did love it. He's like, man, I wish I knew how that song to end, but I didn't write it because I certainly love it. And I will Thank give God. it to Christophe Beck. The the ballet, like the piece playing behind the ballet is beautiful. And even the little dancing is like fun, you know. Again, everybody knows the Laura Michelle Drachtenberg was a dancer, so that's why we did the dancing. She doesn't really love the singing so much. But she doesn't, or we all don't. Love her singing? Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Brutal. <laughs> Shots fired. I Michelle feel like they had a moment where they're like, you can't really sing. You kind of physically have to say these words for the story, but otherwise, like, we'll give you a dance, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was them, the production, letting her down easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we love it. Michelle, keep doing what you're doing. But did you think maybe, how about you feel about just dancing? Do we want to pivot? Want to do the dance? Yeah. Uh, crucially, bit of trivia. At the very beginning of the scene when Tara walks into to Dawn's room and Dawn is like emptying out her backpack, the backpack she is emptying is actually Joss Whedon's backpack. That's my backpack, by the way. This is my greatest contribution yeah, to the thing is the prop people didn't have a backpack. And I have, I said, I have a backpack that looks like a 14-year-old girl will own it. I won't explain why, but I do. Um, so that's my favorite piece of trivia, my wonderful backpack. But I'm like, hey, maybe he had to go through airport security. This is a post-9-11 world now. Sometimes you need see-through shit, man. Maybe he couldn't find a clear one. I don't think that's why, because he could have easily explained that. Yeah. The fact you wouldn't give a reason (laughs) seems more nefarious to me. That's true. He took it from, oh, yeah, this is innocuous, too. Okay, you went creepy immediately. Yeah. (laughs) You did that all by yourself. Uh, Anything else? Is there a magnum opus that you would love to, I don't know what those words mean. Sometimes you shouldn't just shoot for something when you don't know. Is there anything else you want to say about Don's Lament? No. Are you going into what you feel? Is this yes. what you're doing? You're leading yes. up to that? Okay. Yes. I have nothing to say about Don's Lament, but what you feel is fucking awesome. Uh, Well, I mean, it's not related to the song, but the fact that her like little trove of stolen trinkets all has price tags on it so we know it's stolen. It's, oh, yeah. It's just so, so egregious. They really hit you over your No, head. what's egregious is the $68 coin the Magic Box hey, is selling. It's a, it's magic, a magic coin. coin. <laughs> is it? What's egregious is a $9 bottle of generic nail polish. Oh, well, I would. Yeah, well, I think the coin is overpriced, but. As anyway. a purveyor of fine antique magic coins, you yes. would know. I, myself, being a dealer in the occult. Hmm. The villain song, What You Feel, hitting battle, singing and dancing and doing a great job. Uh, so, Josh said he definitely knew he wanted the bad guy to be introduced with tap. I don't know why, but he knew. It was in inside of him. So this song, unlike the other ones, Joss had kind of storyboarded them. So he wrote all the lyrics and everything first. The songs definitely came first. But then right after that, he started, he like knew, the more he listened to the songs he said, and the more he worked on them, he's like, I can visualize what's going to happen during these things. So he had basically storyboarded out pretty much all the songs, except for this one. Uh, so he, he kind of gave the choreographers a little bit of like, this is what I want, and, and told them kind of where they would need to be and what the scene was trying to achieve. But he didn't actually write or, you know, pre-plan anything specific so he gives a hundred percent for this scene coming together the way it did credit to his editor uh lisa lassick and she's worked with them on a bunch of different stuff i didn't realize she worked on cabin in the woods too um so apparently they just shot it with like three cameras and then she almost frame by frame picked the best of what it was and, and put it all together which is very intense so thank you lisa lassick uh what do you think about sweet song that's fine oh come on this is great. This is like such a great jazzy villain song. I love his fucking zoot suity outfit. Okay. I just, I feel like every villain song is a jazz song. Okay. Is that <laughs> his fault? 
Yes, <laughs> probably. Hell loves jazz, the best art form. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess, okay, the other two villain songs that come to mind that are jazzy is Oogie Boogie's song and Nightmare Before Christmas. And then, um, doc. I just looked it up. Doctor Felicier or something. The villain in the Disney movie Princess and the Frog. Mm. And I think Oogie Boogie is before. Yeah, yes. Oh yeah. So, I guess Oogie Boogie is like the genesis of my okay, frustration with this. <laughs> then blame Oogie Boogie it. and you leave Hinton Battle out of this. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think that the he doesn't count as like the best voice on the episode just because he's not the cast, but this dude is a, fu- I mean, he's a Broadway singer. This guy's voice is incredible. And I love his little dancing around. He just like, the energy is great. Well, uh, later on when he says, you know, you beat the bad time. guy, like the way that he says that is one of my favorite lines in the whole yeah. thing. Like, it's oh. so good. <laughs> I think everything worked out just fine. Big smiles, everyone. You beat the bad guy. Yeah, no, he's excellent. Uh, the song is fucking fabulous. I gave Nero his very first fiddle. Like, he's going for it. Mm-hmm. And Dawn, you mm-hmm. know, the future pop star Celeste from Six Feet Under, you know, she's keeping up. That's right. She's keeping up, Trachtenberg, you know? <sighs> Shout out to. God, to, I never yeah. forget. The Fishers, but yeah, no, it, she's she's I fucked on some men, fuck her ballet, fuck all of it, toss it in the trash. <laughs> but she wandering around him, excellent. I thought that was really great, and just, it's funny, you know, it's just like the bride child bride thing is illegal. Like th- that's good lines, funny stuff, mm-hmm. and even Anya later being like, child brides never work except for that one time. It's like, oh god, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> what if I kill you? Trust me, won't help. That's gloomy. That's life. Moving on to Giles's song about being a dad in conflict with his self-standing. What do you think about this song? I think it's stupid. Why? (laughs) I bet you weren't ready for that. (laughs) I mean, I think the song musically sounds fine. Um, I just find this really infuriating that Buffy is like again and again and again repeating, I need you, I need support, I need people to help me. And Giles is like, what I'm hearing is I should leave. And just, it's just like really frustrates me. And I kept thinking during the song, like, she's still the Slayer, you're a watcher. Like, why does that relationship need to end? Stop doing that and uh instead of just straight up being like look i can't be a dad to dawn you need to take care of her instead of just being like i'm gonna leave because you need to learn how to be an adult on your own like that doesn't make any sense he just needs to fucking talk to her i mean like what he's saying like i'm standing in your way like you need to stand on your own two feet instead of being on the ground like you've got to take care of your life those are all great lessons the show just, I unfortunately, just doesn't have enough time or do the right thing. They kind of, poor Giles. I mean, he really gets steamrolled in this. This is my least favorite song of all of them, mainly mm. for the content because I love his, I love it. You know, again, if we're trying to judge it in some way, it's that we've heard this before. And, you know, everything he's saying, it's just, it's the same garbage we've been dealing with for a couple of episodes now. And yet we're doing this, like, I can't be the father thing. And it's like... I get that. That's sad. You can't do it, but that's fine. You cannot be the father and still figure out a way to like support this girl in a realistic way and tell her these things. Cause even at the end it's like, did you say something? Well, clearly this is something you should have saying out loud. We should have done mm-hmm. a big group number with you and Buffy so that she could understand how you feel, but you didn't do that. I don't know yeah, how we've been... magic works, but this is the same shit we've been talking about since the beginning of season five, right? During Buffy versus Dracula, he tries to leave for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, <laughs> 
you don't want to be the dad, don't be the dad. Or if you do, then do. But just like, why are you hemming and hawing? And your points aren't really that valid. Like you said, it's not that hard. Give her the money. Like, Give her the money. Just, be there, man. Like, tell her. It, just tell her what you've you feel, said to too. yourself. There's like nobody in England for you. What do you keep trying to run away back to, man? Like, what are you doing? What yeah. are you doing? And it feels like the critiques aren't fair. Like he's saying, Buffy, you need to stand on your own. Like, isn't she already doing that, though? True. True. Like, yeah, she needs money, but come on, you just brought her back from the grave. Everything's messed up. She's still slaying and taking care of everyone. Like, I don't. It's. It feels like he's acting like Buffy is some sort of like leech, like sucking energy away from him or something. When it's like it's just a relationship with give and take. Like, yeah, you're older than her, but I mean, she's relying on you, and you rely on her too. I mean, yeah. the like least charitable reading of it is he's just like, no, man, I just don't know if I can handle this commitment. Like a big fucking teenager. Like he just doesn't want to take yeah. responsibility for it. Like what? I, I just all I can think about is what else do you have going on, and I can't come up with anything. Sorry, Giles. Um, well, just we know how it all plays out, too. So it's like standing in the way. It's like, you know, OK, I, that's fair, fair. You can feel that way if you if you want to. But like we just know like it is just an excuse to like, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Not be a part of it at all. Well, it's not like you're sort of backing away a little bit and saying, you know, I want you to do this stuff on your own the way that it sort of plays out here. Buffy's going by herself. You have to go. And it's like okay. really jarring. So but jarring because he's never he would have never, never said, said that, that before ever. Mm-hmm. Like when would you ever be like Buffy go face this evil that we don't know how grave it is mm-hmm. by yourself with the exception of I guess facing the master because he, she had to. That, that doesn't count. He didn't tell her to do that or did he? Yeah. You're the one that has to face yeah. the master and then she's like I don't want to die and then he feels bad and tries to go with her. Yeah. It's okay. But we joked right. about it in this episode. She already died twice. We already, yeah, you know, already, we already covered that. We're yeah. good. So I mean that's yeah I don't know. It's it's, it sucks. The Giles stuff is really tough. And I don't think we as a podcast are a fan of the way Giles is like leaving the show. If he straight up was just like, look, I'm really sorry because I recognize you need support right now, but I'm burnt out and I can't give that to you. I got to go. That would be fine. But the fact that he's acting like it's for her own good. No, it's not. Yeah, I think this show uh, ends up being completely different if Anthony Stewart Head doesn't want to leave. So you're not staying then? So this leads into what have I already confessed is my favorite song. And yes, I'm going to have to cut it counted as its own beast because it is technically the reprise of under your spell and a reprise of the song that immediately preceding it but it does become its own thing right the duet is a different theme uh musically towards the end when they're they're doing the wish i could stay thing uh the one of the coolest things about this song i think is all the counterpoint singing so that which i did not know was a term until i listened to the commentary so that's when two people are singing to totally different songs basically on top of one another that's counterpoint right so tara's line when she says i can't adjust to this disgust we're done is like one of the best Mm -hmm. things ever like it's it's the strongest and most like intense she's ever been and it just like sounds so good the way she says it fucking love that uh so a quick note about leith's bramble you know the little mind controlly buddy that she finds at the the top of the stairs of the magic box Joss Whedon pronounces it Lethe. I hate that. It's Leith Bramble for me. It doesn't matter, but it matters. Apparently that's a reference to, he said it was a reference to Hamlet, uh, which I, I guess there's a place of forgetting in Hamlet or something. But that Hamlet's actually referencing a Greek myth, the River Leith, which uh, humans that drink the water out of the River Leith forget stuff. So that was like a, a nod to a thing that already exists in mythology, but it's definitely not like a, an actual thing, right? It's not like a... Uh, you know, like crystals or like flowers and stuff that have meanings or, or pr- properties in the occult Wicca world or whatever. This is a, a wholly original creation, aside from the nod to the Greek mythology. So, what what do you what do you think about the little reprise? And is it a song? Do you count it as its own song? Yeah, I mean, I 
feel like it kind of just tails on to standing. Like, they're kind of one in my head. Yeah, okay. So you would say, like, this is still standing. Like, still, still, not, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, still yeah. the same song. Yeah, I, I could see that. Because there isn't a break, right? It no, it goes, goes straight like, in. straight into it. And you can't, I don't know, it feels weird to have a reprise of a song that's still happening. True. Uh, but I do like that they bring Tara in and you add, like, these, like, kind of, like, competing and complementary themes together. Well, I guess it, it does cut. So he's singing. He he says standing well, in the way, yeah. and then we cut to Tara, I'm under your spell. And then he well, comes back Yeah, but again. still, it's like the you don't have that, like, break where you do under your spell, other things happen, and right. then we go back to it. Like, right. he finishes singing. She was like, did you just say something? And then we break to Tara singing, and then Giles walks out, and they're yeah. singing together. So I feel like it's all the same. Thing. I think you make that argument. Daniel, what do you this think? This is the only one I consider of all the reprises separate from itself. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, I agree with your logic, but in terms of like the song and just what it means and how well it's done, and I agree that I think Tara and, and him are like the two standouts for this, for, for singing. So it's like, yeah, let's get these two together. Fantastic. Absolutely love it. And I do consider it a separate song only because we just did technically two songs and then the two of them come together. But I agree with your logic that it's all one and it's fine to consider it all together. But I think if you do that, then standing has to come up and I refuse. So standing <laughs> has to go down. It's all just, it's all just politicking at this point. So fair enough. Well, and, and the little, just a quick note about them like spilling their guts out and they can't like Buffy and Willow, the objects of their like, I'm mm. in so much pain. Can't hear them at all. That's also like another. I love of, that. Like, I, mean, I really, mm-hmm. really, Pretty really, good. really love that. Pretty I can't say that enough. All right, so Tara, you're yeah. here. Like, oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like, yeah. she heard none of that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I do also like just to mention um, the line where she said, "I wish I could trust it was just this once." Yeah. Because it's it does feel kind of like maybe Tara would think if I just let this go, it'll be fine. <laughs> but since you can't remember, how could you know? You know, like as an audience member, it's the only time we've seen her do this. But you know, Tara enters this idea of like has. Will have been doing this before. It's just like a long standing. Like, and you're just like, oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, which is a super like a hundred percent valid question. And it's you wouldn't so know. Yeah, fucked up. Like, so I wrote, fucked up. I wrote in my notes like how scary it would be to break up with Will at this point because you're like, what is she gonna do to me? Yeah, she's already doing this to me while we're dating. What is she gonna do to me when I dump her? <laughs> Right. Ooh, oh, that's so scary. <laughs> like I would be terrified to be around her. <laughs> and you would be legitimate to, to feel yeah. that way. Oh yep. Yep. Willow was a bad guy, guys. She's yeah. a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's before she tries the end of the world. I love a good entrance. How are you with death scenes? Walk through the fire. Daniel, your favorite song. I just I'm looking for Restless everywhere I look. And not a lot of episodes have it, but this one, this song to me screams that kind of stuff just the inevitability of what she's at you know what what's at stake here is is prevalent in this song you know when when he sings like she's drawn to the fire and spike said she's in the fire or whatever she's going to the fire she will never learn like that that is very like first slayer type of shit i love that uh just for for being a restless stand but like for the song wise, man, you cannot deny a fucking fire truck going by because it like it works. It just works. Yeah, Joss Whedon said that's the best thing, the single best thing they ever pulled off on the show was getting those fire trucks to hit on the beat. And I mean, I will say it works. It's so extraordinarily funny. well. And that crescendo of the end of the it's, song, it's is great. And just like I mean, even just Buffy, the the what she's delivering, what she's saying is just really poignant and perfect. And the song is great 
and lyrically it like it shines it's really good and it really encapsulates a lot of stuff that's already been said in the show so it really kind of takes in a lot of the thematic elements of of some of the other ones and makes it just makes it whole oh yeah taking like everything works really well the the lines he chose to recall you know from the songs previously in the episode and, and the way that spike stacks in with sweet like everybody comes in at the exact right moment it all sounds really good together i think that like the, this is kind of the showpiece of, of the episode, mm-hmm. I think, more so than, like you said earlier, the, the, the last song. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, I don't know, it just has a lot of gravity mm-hmm. to it. I don't know, it just feels really Anthem. big uh, with, without any dancing. Yeah. That's because she's walking through the fire, not dancing oh, through right, the fire. Right, right, right. I mean, exactly. you can't deny fucking sweet in the fucking corner, you know, dancing while our people are talking. I mean, just like. Oh, God. And Tara's giant face. <laughs> it's just like every time I was like. Ugh. We're done. <laughs> it's so, it's so like 90s without being in the 90s. And I. Yeah, I mean. It. Since, like, this show was so very meta and Joss was definitely aware of every minute of what he was doing in this episode, those have to be, like, an on-purpose joke thing. Well, even just, like, I mean, with Willow doing the, you know, this line is mostly filler, like, it's clearly, and that's why Buffy's the best. You can have a stupid fucking line covered by, you know, someone like Anya and Tara being like, everything's getting dark, it's the grave but graver, like, it's sad. It's, like, there's a lot of heft to this, and then you could have someone like, Willow just come in and be like, huh? But then it turns out Tara's like, or sorry, but Willow's like the biggest villain of them all. You know, just walking amongst this mm-hmm. crowd. She's a war criminal. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like when you start to think about that, Jokes. it's like, wow, your face. Why are you even here? You're not their friends. You're not a friend here. You're an enemy. I think this happens. I guess this happens before this song. But when um, they're talking about getting ready and Giles says his whole you're going alone thing and will is like well maybe a confusion spell uh-huh. and tara's like no yeah. <laughs> and the look that willow gets on her face like what the fuck did you just talk back to me <laughs> well, just, like, and also just like where did that come from you know just like surprised that she would be upset about that is really fun yeah like, uh, i'm pretty sure i wiped this ass yeah. out of you out of you yeah we're gonna have to make sure we double down on the spell tonight yeah you need an extra <laughs> dose my lady Dark. two flowers tonight <laughs> Oh no, it's two flower night. night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sad, but Poor funny. Tara. <laughs> I'm so I'm so bummed. So bummed. Oh uh, yeah. It just it's so it stands out so much more watching it this time mm-hmm. than it ever has her like the insidious nature mm-hmm. of what she's doing every single second yeah. of it. Another Simpsons callback. Uh, I only watched early Simpsons seasons, but there's an episode where uh, Homer gets a pig like that he's going to cook and it's a whole thing. And like all these things happen to the pig where it goes down and like rolls down a hill, gets shot out of a can and like all this stuff. He can't keep the pig. And so every time it's just a little dirty. It's still good. It's still good. And like I think that my tiny teenage lesbian brain was like, it's just a little abuse. It's still good. It's still good. No. <laughs> I just like didn't want to see that part. I did not want to take it in. So I just like, no, 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 yeah. no. Well, and I think I think when you watch it like back to back to back to back, like these little moments, they kind of just get washed away in the grand scheme of the whole sure. season. And so it's always felt kind of to me like obviously what Willow does with the flower is wrong. That's always felt wrong to me. That's felt messed up. I was glad Tara left. But the end when she becomes like the true villain of the season, I always felt like that came out of left field. Like, yeah, okay, Willow goes down this dark path, but like has she ever really hurt anyone? But like this time watching it, I'm like, yeah, she's actually like super fucked up and dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like they actually did like a really good job of sort of like weaving that in and I keep thinking about like, you know, like you're saying like she's walking among 
them. Like, who's a villain and who's a good guy? Like, who gets to be redeemable? Like, Willow gets to be redeemable, but Spike isn't? Like, what are we... Like, how do you make those decisions? And so I think, you know, it's another layer of why season six, I think, is a really interesting season. (laughs) And not to spoil the next song, Kelly, or later on with the watches, but, you know, when when Sweet calls her out, she's like, I smell power. I never caught that before. Mm. But man, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like, yeah, let's, let's go. Like, I mean, that's a subtle, like... The Slayer's one thing, but you. Yeah, yeah. well, the enemy you? amongst them. This shot of uh, of Willow and Giles together calls back to that too, right? Because Giles, just two episodes ago, was like, you fucked up mm-hmm. and you're playing with fire, kid. And it's like, but but she gets redeemed, right? Whereas Spike, like you just said, in this episode, Giles says, I'll never want your opinion. You're mm-hmm. worthless. Like, mm-hmm. that's so good. That's so good. Still, my friends don't know why I I should be dancing for all the joy, life and family and friends, all the twists and bends, knowing that it ends well, that depends on if they let you go. Something to sing about. Uh, this apparently started as a completely different song. Joss wrote it as like more of a bubblegum pop song, he said, called I'm Your Girl, where it was just like specifically about sweet, take me and not Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and... He the demos, like I said, he was recording with his wife Kai, so he would have her sing any of the female parts of the songs that he was putting together, and she couldn't sing it, yeah, because uh, it was too, it was out of her range, whatever. It was in a key she couldn't, whatever. So she was like, "Can you please transcribe this to make it an octave lower and make it in a different key?" And he was like, "No, I'm never, I'm not gonna fucking do that." And then he was like, "I realized I was so mad because I actually hated the song and didn't want to do it, so I completely threw it out and just wrote a different song." Uh, and I was like, "Cool, you yelled at your wife about it though." Uh, also, the B minor to B minor diminished during heaven, that little change, is like, he said it was the most poignant thing I wrote, and Sarah's performance is incredible. I agree. That is, like, such an effective mm. musical tool, that shift. To do that. Where you just yep. flatten or sharpen yeah. one of the notes in the chord, it's just like, ugh. It just, yeah. Ugh, that, that, and then just... mirrored by Spike saying, living, yeah. and you're, like, doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller had a dance double because she does the most dancing in this song. You know, obviously she's almost mm-hmm. dancing to death, uh, but they ended they ended up not using her um, or at least they used her very little. Sarah Michelle Geller did it all, man. Uh, everybody knows she didn't want to sing the songs or at least most people I think know that. Uh, and she was going to not. She was going to have somebody sing for her. But apparently she had a little bit of a, a breakdown uh, thinking that somebody else would get to do Buffy's big emotional breakthrough and didn't want that to go to somebody else. I and mean, I get that, man. You feel probably pretty protective over Buffy as a character when you're like, this is, no, no, no. I'm going to do the thing. She gets to say that I was in heaven. I'm doing the thing. Uh, Buffy, sorry, not Buffy. Sarah Michelle Geller had this to say about the experience. It took something like 19 hours of singing and 17 hours of dancing between shooting four other episodes. I'm not a singer. And I hated every moment of it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But it, I mean, I, you know, talking about all the meta little lines, like every little subtle jibe in this, like every little jump cut is just perfect. And one of the best moments happens in this too, where where Giles comes in and says, Willow, back up. (laughs) Or or Tara, Tara, Anya, she needs backup. And then they go back to dance and sing. (laughs) It's one of the funniest things that I've ever seen. It's so good. It is good. It's so good. So. I mean, and it's also really sad, you know, like all the twists and bends, knowing that it ends. Well, that depends. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah. oh. 
the way that's delivered too, the beat of the song is like really staccato. Like ba 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 ba, so good. Mm-hmm. It's just a really well written song. I don't. God damn that guy. I mean, it's interesting because to think that this would have been a different song because this song is really like the theme of the entire season, right? Like Buffy is like, "What am I here for? I thought I was done. I need to like figure out my purpose again." Um, and she's just straight up saying that I need something to keep me going, guys. You're not giving me anything. <laughs> it's again Spike, who is useless. Who had, I don't want your opinion. I don't want you around mm-hmm. here. You don't get to be the hero, but no matter what you do, is the only one that's like, let's stop her from killing herself. Yes, <laughs> I wrote in my notes. Was everyone else gonna watch her explode? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> What's the plan, guys? What are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> And I will say, you know, for how terrible Willow is, she is absolutely crushed. Just mm. like she she does that crying face really well. It's worth the time for that alone. Uh, and I don't know if you noticed when Willow is like absorbing the, the information that, oh, my God, I did the wrong thing. Mm. Tara is comforting her, even though she's mad and scared of her. It's just like that gut reaction to be like, oh, yeah, uh, you're sad and I want to help you because I love you. Yeah, It's really, really ugh, it's sad. Yeah. Well, again, just to go back to that reprise, I guess. I mean, I really like everything Tara says. It's so powerful. But she says, but I love you so like, even though I know that you've like abused me, like it doesn't take away the feelings that I have. And I feel like, you know, she's acting that out here where she's like, I know this is fucked up, but I like, I can't help wanting to comfort you. Yeah. yeah, I, That's true. And you don't just like wake up and stop loving somebody someday. Yeah. What oh, is yeah. that from? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, now let me go. No, a person doesn't just wake up and stop loving somebody. Love is forever. But rolling this into where do we go from here? So Joss said this is probably the most important song of the episode, but I think that you know we all kind of agree just now that uh, maybe not so much. It's something to think about. It's probably a bigger, more impactful thing. In fact, the revelation of Buffy not being in hell is in the song before mm-hmm. it. I think it's like an uh, an obvious but nice and, and necessary question, considering what we all just went through. Yeah. But I don't know that it speaks as much to the show and, and everything we've been through. I, I guess that's the point, right? It's like, that's where we were. That's terrible. Yeah. What do we do now? <laughs> so they, they're kind of like, not to, you know, sing the song, but they do go hand in hand, those ideas. Yeah. And it, it feels kind of all like one thing. And mm-hmm. it, it, they do happen in quick succession too. So it makes it feel like that even more. Um, do you, the little end part where, you know, Spike and, and Buffy are outside, do you think that that's, Part of this song, too, or is that its own thing? It's separated on the... I think it's its own thing. It's yeah. its own thing, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's totally completely different, right? Because that's a reprise of, of Walk Through the Fire and Spike's song. Uh, I mean, musically, it's just Walk Through the Fire that we bring back. That's but I touch the fire and it freezes me. And when he sings, I died, like, get out of here. Like, that's mm-hmm. my sh- that's my shit. I'm here for that. <laughs> I love it. I think the ending I... is fantastic. Laugh out loud every time he says, I died. Yeah, she, she did. She like scream laughed. And I was like, hey, I like this. It's fantastic. It's, so, it's, so, it's so beautiful. I just Because they're just like somehow. And I, I, I wonder if anybody's brought this up or not. But like, shouldn't the spell be over? Like, why are we still singing? I don't know. But it's like, I love, I love that they are. It's my favorite. So that is a point of contention. Like people have been like, this is a mistake. They should be done because she's gone. They, well, yeah, amongst the fan base point of contention uh so people say that it's not a mistake because sweet curses them before he leaves saying say you're happy now once more with feeling being like sing your last fucking song yeah Yeah. goodbye yeah yeah i agree and i think you could also 
argue with you see Spike and then Buffy fall out of it. Like it's like the spell is fading Clearly as they're going yeah, through yeah. the song. So it makes sense. It's not. So what do you think snapped uh, Buffy out of it? Because Spike runs into the pillar. There's like a physical action. That, oh, okay. Uh, what am I doing? I got to go. What do, we don't see Buffy actually leave or snap out of it. What do you think made her, made her do it? I just think she's not as connected to the world as everyone else. <laughs> I think you know, she was like, connected to Spike. And I think when Spike was out yeah. of it, she was out of it. Yeah. I don't know. And then just to go back to the I died thing. I mean, it sounds <laughs> yes. ridiculous. But also I think it's interesting because he's like, I get it. Like, you know, he's the only one. And we talked about this when she came back, like that he understands what she's going through because he's gone through it. Right. Like crawling out of his grave, that kind of thing. And so for her to be like, you know, what am I doing here? And him to be like, I understand. Like, what are we doing here? (laughs) We have to like figure it out. And I'm trying and you need to try. I don't know. I think that's very like compelling. Yeah. I I mean, Spike is the anti-hero character. The idea that like the point is just to do it. It being enough, I think, is yeah. so great. And it's something that Buffy really needs to hear. Like, yeah. you don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to be the hero all the time. It, it's really just being here. I mean, you said it to your sister. Yeah. Like, you clearly, part of you believed it. So, like, why did you, you just remember? Just remember that. And I feel like, I don't know how everyone feels, but I feel like this echoes a lot of stuff that, you know, you kind of struggle with. Just, like, in general, you don't have to be a superhero to get it, right? Like, this is all... Everyone is kind of like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I making the choices I'm making? And to have someone like physically say like, all you have to do is just live. Like that's the most important part. It's a big deal for someone who's like struggling, you know? Totally. So. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a great message for the, for the audience. And we need that for COVID. Like, what am I doing right now? I don't know. I'm not dead. So I guess I'm doing okay. Push on. (laughs) Push on. We kind of won. Yay. And that's true. We're not there yet. Well, that was COVID. No, just generally. (laughs) That was also kind of fun for them to acknowledge. Like we didn't really, we didn't win this one. (laughs) Uh, So I don't know if you clocked this because I totally didn't until Jocelyn pointed out the ending credits, the, which is also like the, the broom guys dance to the same song it's like a jazzy upbeat version of where do we go from here if if Mm -hmm. you listen closely which i totally didn't realize to begin with um that is only the second of two times that the ending credits has not used the theme song the first time do either of you remember Mm -mm. it's at the end of the puppet show yeah when they do the play yeah, yeah. The puppet show. Yeah, when they do oh, the play. Oh, when they do the play. Yeah, they do right. a, a scene from Oedipus Rex. Right, right, apparently right. Apparently is the name of that. Yeah. So that's the only other time that they haven't done the theme song over the end of the, the show. So. Mm. Oh, Oedipus, Oedipus, unhappy Oedipus. That is all I can call you and all that I ever shall call you. Darkness and horror of darkness. Unfolding, restless, visitant, sped by an ill wind in haste. Madness and... Madness and stabbing pain and, and, um, oh. Once you go wood, nothing's as good. Oh. Memory of, uh, ill deeds I have done. Yeah, well, neither will you. What? Oh, my gosh. Thank you for bearing with us. I know it's a long one, but when you do, you know, the most famous possible, I I think, like, pretty, pretty, clearly the most famous episode of the show uh you got to talk about it for a while but if you have problems with what we said uh or if you didn't like the fact that it was so long please tell us oh my god at beat me pod everywhere that's twitter tumblr instagram we have a website beatmepod.wordpress.com that contains show notes about everything we say here but not everything but a lot of the stuff we say here and will include any references to other media that we put in the podcast for your viewing pleasure uh or listening pleasure and 
something else that you could probably lift out of this if I don't do it, but I really want to do it. It may or may not contain the said Joss Whedon DVD commentary audio because I got to say, just as a listen without the context of viewing the show, it is fantastic. So, uh, you know, I've gotten a cease and desist for Buffy tangentially related material before. I'm not saying it's on our website, but I'm also not saying it's not on our website. bbpod.wordpress.com. Also, if you do like music, you can check out Spotify. Have you heard of it? We have a playlist called Beat Me Hyphen Fun Time Playlist for Podcast Fans Season 6 that contains all music that is in the episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that we cover that is available on Spotify, as well as any music that we might play during the podcast episodes. Oh, is it time for yelling already? Uh, it's so much harder when they're good. Um... Daniel, do you want to start? Yeah, Willow says she's not large with the butch. Just want that to be oh, out yeah. there. She's tiny. She's tiny with the feb, not large with the butch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the on the lesbians, let's see what we got. Uh, Tara sniffing the dried flower. I think that's got to go on. Tara's on the pot again. Just because, okay, look. Do do dried flowers have scents? Yes, right. They use them for like potpourri and stuff, but not really, right? I she, think like, she was just more looking. I mean, I don't know. Just I like, know it was for the scene, but I don't know. Just the idea of her like gleefully <laughs> sniffing the the little leaf brand at the beginning i don't know it just got me man i thought it was really funny when uh don said that line about the pterodactyl and then anya completely horrified said oh my god did it sing <laughs> so good Ciao. uh xander's paper that yes. he was looking at mm, i was hoping you grabbed it well i know it says like uh, monsters definitely not involved or yeah. something like yeah. that so his says mayhem caused oh my god so many notes in this episode mayhem caused monsters certainly not involved officials say investigation turns down heat as teen vandals are suspected target new technologies being integrated to police tracking facilities against criminals mayor nice. approves fingerprint computers two things one nice. there's a mayor <laughs> two fingerprint so computers what the fuck is that what's a fingerprint computer is that just like touch what are we doing i guess i guess hate it you have a fingerprint computer on your phone yeah me I too guess. there's too much cop shit that's what i gotta computer. say oh yeah you do have a fingerprint laptop yeah 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 right yeah yeah there yeah. You go. yeah um i would like to just say in this newspaper possibly the better part is oh. the ad off to the left. I know. This is san fernando valley college of law with a picture of some guy walking in a suit and I can't even tell what the middle picture is and then a woman and it says got the dot com blues get a law degree for a red hot future (laughs) that's a chess set (laughs) is it okay that's what I thought it was but then I was like it might be people walking up steps oh I oh I'm oh it might be columns yeah it is a guy walking up wow I thought it was a chess set wow I thought it was a chess set at first and then I immediately got scared and I didn't want to commit yeah it's a dude walking up there's three columns those columns are really close to each other though it feels fake well, it seems like San Fernando Valley College of Law is fake. Didn't yeah. look it what? up. Oh, no. Okay. I should have asked you this earlier when it was relevant during I've Got a Theory, but here we are now. What was Tara's theory? She is unceremoniously cut off by Anya to start singing bunnies mm. because no one cares about Tara, especially not her girlfriend. Mm. What was Tara's theory about? <laughs> also, she gets distracted by marijuana. Uh, <laughs> what was Tara's theory? Magic in the water. She probably thought it was like bunnies too. She thought it was bunnies too. Oh, she was like, yeah, actually, <laughs> it's totally bunnies. <laughs> oh, so so Daniel, theory, I think b- by his constant miming of smoking a marijuana, is implying that just like many other times where, di- where Tara's dialogue would have preempted, forgotten. she wasn't she ready. She had no plan. She had no plan. She was banking on someone. <laughs> she was thankful that Anya s- stepped in with a musical gotcha. number to save her. 
Um, is Xander responsible for the people who died? Ooh, gotcha. Oh, speaking of the true villain of the episode, we only actually see one person die on screen. That's the, not a demon. Is yeah. the tap dancing guy right? Yeah. So that tap dancing guy is a tap dancer. Go figure. Unless he's you say that dancing. he's different than the guy that falls out of that door that the demon opens. Yeah. What do you think about that? I assumed it's the same guy. I think it could be different people. It could be. Totally could be. I mean, he's he's implying that people burn up, right? Yeah. And Buffy was about to burn up too. So that's just kind of yeah. how people die. They dance themselves like to guess to death, I guess. Uh, but so that tap dancer guy, he did that in one take. And they didn't add any audio. That was just the sound of him actually tapping. Pretty cool. That's cool. I don't know. Uh, but no, seriously, I, I feel like you could argue. Shut up, <laughs> that's, that's a cool fact. I feel like you could argue, though, you know, the demon's just doing what's in his nature. It's like a turtle and a scorpion thing. You couldn't expect a scorpion to do anything but what's in their nature. So, like, the demon's not really a bad guy, but Xander, who called the demon to do the demon's nature actually cause those people to die because if he hadn't called the demon those people wouldn't have died ergo mm-hmm. Xander's a murderer I'm, but he didn't I mean, know he, he, he didn't know he should have uh, has did, there ever been a good demon oh hey that's a good point well Anya Clem. Jesus Clem okay well, but Anya was there to wreak some havoc before she was a real girl uh, that's, Doyle that's a good point that's a good point uh, the one guy that had the books what of you, ascension that what do you mean Doyle's a demon <laughs> from Angel <laughs> Oh my god. He doesn't count. Oh, Why doesn't Doyle. he count? He's a demon. Yeah. I don't even This isn't an angel update. Because this isn't an angel update. Ah, uh, okay. Well, uh yeah, the the demon that had the books of ascension that Faith just murdered for no reason. That that way we knew she, mm. you know, like that Dude, guy. Dude, that's a good uh, one. That's a good one. I think there's been some good demons. But do you think that if that guy got summoned to do something, what he would do would be good? Probably not. Sander? Well, I didn't know what was gonna happen. I just thought there were gonna be dances and songs. Anyways, what we're saying is Xander's a monster, yeah. so easy, <laughs> done. But no, no question there. Luckily for all of the citizens of Sunnydale, this is only the second time that he's caused uh, chaos with a spell, right? One of Daniel's favorite episodes, Bewitched, Bothered, Bewildered, is the only other time he's really done it. So. Yeah, you'd think he'd learn from his mistakes. You would think. And, and I'm just, I, I just bring it up to say, I think as far as like mischief caused by magic, Willow's definitely on the higher end of that spectrum mm. versus Xander, you know? So mm-hmm. give the man a break. Okay. <laughs> There's so many legitimate criticisms of Xander. Fine. During the parking ticket, all I could think was, did this song inspire the hit Disney song from Frozen called Let It Go? <laughs> Why don't you let it go? <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. I mean, I can't. I can't deny it. Thank you. And Dina Menzel, you are welcome. At the beginning of I'll Never Tell, which we happen to be looking at right now. Xander's like, hey, what do you want for breakfast? Do you want waffles? Or I could do omelets. And then, you know, he's still talking. We can't hear him because Anya's mm-hmm. starting to sing. Do you think he's talking about omelets the whole time? I think he's talking about other breakfast foods. Okay. Because I think like, he does say after that, like, or I could do this. Like, oh, I know how to cook some stuff. So maybe I'm hoping it's an evolving tangent of just, mm-hmm. like, where we end up somewhere completely different like robots. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, there, uh, during the parking ticket song, there was a sign that I could see, the only sign that readable, that said, have a computer, question mark, put it to work. <laughs> Fast, fastgoodcash.com. Oh. Not a real not a real website. It, Probably a scam. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that sounds really seedy. I would not want to do that. Uh, speaking of seedy things, in when we get the view from inside the fridge, which is a great shot, where we're talking about the stinky cheese, again, from Mind Love or Tell. Other things that are in his fridge, an open can of soda, baking soda, uh, and what else do we got? Oh, a thing of milk. I guess um, you need the baking soda for the stinky cheese. I guess so. But that's it. Looking a little sparse. 
Hey, How is he going to make omelets? Yeah, right? With All you got is cheese and baking soda and an open can of Coke. Come on now. Uh, speaking of Sunnydale mentions all over the newspaper, um, Giles later was like, I I personally, I was able to examine the bodies. Uh, he with says the police that? While, yeah, I was able to examine the body while the police were wi- taking their witness arias. Oh. Very nice touch oh, because for the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So I was like, damn, you did that. You personally went to go look at the witnesses see they're so when it when they need to be ensconced with the police they are and when they're not they're not i mean it, it definitely is on the level for sunnydale pd to be like i'm pretty sure you're not a medical examiner but you are british so i trust you come on here get your hands in this guy <laughs> like come on here get your hands <laughs> in this guy <laughs> buffy said she was worried that we were about to break out into an 80s training montage how dare you that would have been excellent we'll just lie down and they'll go away come on man uh, the final thing I have is Spike said, um, the day you suss that out what you want, there will probably be a parade. 76 bloody trombones. Mm-hmm. 76 trombones is from is a song from a musical called The Music Man by Meredith Wilson, 1957. It was made into a film in 1962, and it was on TV in 2003 with Matthew, Matthew Broderick. Uh, Kristen Chenoweth and Molly Shannon nope. were all in there. Um, and it, apparently it just follows a guy who's like trying to get a town involved into a crazy scheme where he was going to have 76 trombones, 110 cornets, more than a thousand uh, reeds, double bell euphoniums and 50 mounted cannon. Oh. Um, and then it turns out like the whole place turns out for him and blah, blah, blah. And you can actually go to that guy's home, Meredith Wilson. Uh, his home in Mason City, Iowa, and on the top of the roof, there are 76 trombones that have been donated, Aww. so you can actually go see it. That's so. fun. Pretty cool. I had no idea. I mean, real, real thing. We know that Spike is is a softie anyway, and he's a liar, and he puts on an image, so I feel like he's definitely a musical fan. And all this mm-hmm. saying that he didn't want to sing, he absolutely wanted to sing every note of that. The day you suss out what you do want, there'll probably be a parade. 76 bloody trombones. Spike. Look. You don't have to say anything. I touch the fire and it freezes me. I die. I look into so many it and years it's ago. This isn't real. You can make me but I just want to feel. Where do we go? Right, we're in the home stretch. There's an important thing that needs to happen before the end part, which is I need to be updated on the watches. Please, Daniel. Xander Construction Outfit watch, no. But there is a poster, very cool. We're looking at it right now, of, you know, there's money and arc welding, mm-hmm. whole thing about, I mean, fucking awesome. I got to say, bedroom I'm not a huge fan of. I don't like the little, I don't like it. I just don't like the bedroom. You like the I gotta big say, like console around the whole bed and all the like little drawers and stuff. It's very useful. I have to say it's very cool, very useful, but I don't know how sexy. <laughs> Not sexy. Don't like it. What are you talking about? Pass He's got two lava lamps. <laughs> oh two God, lava lamps. He has four books, so we're good. He it's sexy. Uh maroon jacket watch, Anya belt watch. No. I didn't see either. No, but them. I did like Xander's camel leather jacket at the end. I thought that was nice. He looked nice in this episode. He, he okay. That's good. Thank you for that input, Kelly. <laughs> You're uh, Dawn's person <laughs> screams. Yes, 
Does anybody even notice? Yes, we fucking do. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Oh, yeah, she We're screams screaming. when she gets grabbed by the guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're goddamn right she does. Uh, Chips Ahoy, yes, when he says there's a traitor here beneath my chest. I mean, they always talk about his heart, but in a way you could say that the traitor is almost well, like the chip okay. stopping him. So Stacia pointed this out, and I was going to mention it there and then yelling, but I forgot. So during the nighttime funeral, that makes total sense. Because we're in a musical, you can suspend belief. But Spike tosses a bunch of just people, right? It should be hurting him. Stacia brought up, well, maybe it's just chore- like choreographed. Choreography. <laughs> Chore- yeah, there you go. Maybe it's just choreography so that it doesn't count as like attacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wasn't going to bite them or something. He's just like, yeah, letting them go. Yeah, the intent was not to harm. It was to dance. Not to harm. <laughs> yes. So Willow is becoming too powerful, A. Eh? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously. Um, I, I wrote here making Tara sing for her dinner. <laughs> so that's pretty tough. <laughs> you know, being so bold as to put the flower on her fucking breast like that. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say mm-hmm. that. That's fucked up. Uh, and then Sweet, of course, saying, you know, I smell power. Yeah. It's pretty pretty damning stuff for Willow. Not not going to lie. Buffy has a personality. Yes. I said everyone's saying in style, right? So, oh, I don't know. So I said everybody's saying in style. Buffy appreciate appreciates a good pop earworm. Mm. De Hoffern watch. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a no. It's a no. It's another no. He would have been great. He could have sung a fun. great song. It would have been so fun. It would have been random, and it would have fulfilled my goddamn life. <laughs> Tara and Willow are on the pot again. Yes. Uh, we're all stuck in Kitty's wacky Broadway nightmare. You know, we get the shaking hands. Uh, Tara's jazz hands, of course. Uh, Willow and Tara are off whispering to each other after smoking a huge mm-hmm. blunt, talking about the volume text and whatever the fuck she says. After Willow whispers, hey, do you want to go fuck somewhere? <laughs> 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 I think she just offered to make her a sandwich. Right, yeah, sorry. Sandwich. They're both so high, they're hungry, they got the munchies. Right, right, right. Uh, they're scared of uh, Michael Flatley, the Lord of the Dance, which I do appreciate, and I think you would be scared of him outside of being super fucking But if you high. were super high, the leg flailing um, would be upsetting. Oh, dude, are you kidding me? Um, you know that Tara was thinking for a moment about the recreational uses, of 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 the Leafs bramble, you know, <laughs> oh, no. for like a millisecond. Just the deep inhale. Was like, this is probably pretty good. I mean, this is what I do with the like real good <laughs> weed. You know, you just want to forget, but you don't want it to be criminal. You know, um, and I want to imagine uh, walk through fire with uh, Sweet up in the corner dancing like that was actually only for Willow and Tara. Like they actually saw him, <laughs> you know, doing that dance. No one else saw, and like even her head showing up with Buffy was just for just her point of view. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Michael Wicke, Amy Gothwatch. Yes, Xander engaged in a little bit of sure magic. Did. Can't can't deny it, so that's fine. Uh, Buffy charging $1 for everybody asking if she's okay. No. Oh, but I think she should get a bonus dollar <laughs> um, for singing her way through the answer of if she's okay. So this is more up to you two. Do you, do you want to give her – she has $2 right now. Do we want to give her three? Because in a way, she sort of answered the question – that's been looming, but it was never outrightly asked. But you could say it was tangentially asked. Mm, yes. Is going through the motions not a big, I'm not okay? Yeah. Do you want, want to give her $1 for this or do we not? Tip Buffy. Tip poor Buffy who needs some money. For I this. mean, she did have yeah. to sing for 19 hours. All right. SMG and Buffy. She had, get, to, sing, get, she had to sing for her mommy. I'm moving it. $3. <laughs> Books a million. Yes. Tara. She gets to the bottom of the bramble. She knows mm. that she's being... Gas lit. Gas 
Lighter? Lighted? Gas? Gaslit? Writer? Gas? Gaslighted? Lighter. Lit, right? It'd just be gaslit. Gaslit. Glad gaslit. we made it there. I don't like that. <laughs> Dawn also uses books. In one of her books, she was reading about DNA. Oh. We never brought that up, but she was look. She was. That's what she was looking at. Uh, anyways, uh, streets ahead. Yes, uh, you know I would say that the 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 road that they were walking down, uh, Giles, Anya, mm. and Xander, has never been seen before um, in parking tickets. So I have no idea what's going yeah. on there. You could say the lake was new. Like I mean, there's a lot of like random new stuff. I mean, in terms of like names for it, no, yeah. of course not. We'll never will. But I mean, in terms of new stuff, yeah, I would say so. And then Giles' biggest KO. I said yes. A few people have died. Um, because of a piece of jewelry from your magic trick <laughs> is pretty tough. Uh, um, plus, you can't tell Buffy the truth about what you want, which is pretty much damning for you. So, two chaos. Yeah, that should have been a counterpoint to your, is Xander to blame for the deaths? No, it's actually Giles' fault. It's actually fucking Giles. He didn't Giles. say to do it. Or possibly Anya. Who knows who's purchasing at this point? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, well, thank you very much for the update. Thorough as ever. Free Xander. Free Xander. Freezander. God damn. Never. Well, this is exciting, isn't it? <laughs> you know, clandestine meetings by dark of night, exchange of prisoners. I just, I, <laughs> I feel like we should all be wearing trench coats. Okay. It is finally time, after discussing the pants off of this episode, for us to rank this sucker. Willow Hack slash we talk about the net slash something wicked this way comes. Hell yeah. Floating lesbian sex magic. Big old ten. Giles level of Giles. I mean, okay. I gotta say, I really struggled with ranking this episode. I did as much stat juking as I possibly could. I don't know that I ever came up with a solid figure. So we're just gonna have to see what happens by the end of this sentence slash section. Giles, I gave him a 10 for, I've got a theory because it is very Gilesy to start off the conversation about what is going on with the demons here. What's going on in this situation? Uh, he is concerned for Buffy, even if he's handling it wrong. Again, this is a theme that's been going on since the beginning of season five. So am I going to damn him for this in this episode? Absolutely not. It won't be on this one, damn it. And he is sad about uh, leaving, you know, even though he's he's concerned for Buffy, he is he is sad about leaving. So I had to give him a 10 for reasons. Now, Dawn. Does Dawn need an adult? Uh, she did get fucking kidnapped. Uh, and it was a really bad look for Buffy when they were like, did Dawn get off to school, all right? And they were, she says, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tara, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, you left her alone? Yeah, It's whatever. <laughs> so. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Yeah, oh, it's fine. Uh, so I am at a crossroads here. What do I do? Right? Because she needs an adult which means that it should be ranked very, very low because that's how this category works. But it's also an episode I don't want to rank very, very low. So what do I do? Be true to the math or be true to my heart? I think it's science, so... I split the difference and gave it a five. All right. Monster of the Week. Sweet and the Henchmen are undeniably fantastic villains. Not only does he have a kill count because he killed at least one, possibly two separate people, but he gets away. He fucking gets away. Not only does he cause one of the best episodes of the series, but he doesn't even get punished for it. Like, he, the man is great. Everything about him is great. And even the henchmen are really cool. I like, I mean, even though I'm scared by the puppet aspect of them, I think they're pretty neat. And all the dancing and everything. So 10. Big old 10. Easy. Relationship goodness and badness. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay, again, another part where I, do I go with the math, the science, the hard facts, or do I go with my heart? This is a bad look for lots of people in this episode, specifically Willow Rosenberg looking at you, also for Giles, as we've discussed, who I already ranked higher than he should have gotten, so I got to take him down somewhere. And 
won't biggest be revelation. Here. <laughs> <laughs> biggest revelation. Buffy was in heaven, guys. You all goofed. You goofed real hard. So it's not good <laughs> for the category. But? But uh, my spin doctory best. Uh, uh, Buffy and Spike are getting along great. There you go. There you go. <laughs> And Xander and Anya are airing their grievances, so hopefully they'll become stronger as a couple. Everyone's come come to an understanding. You know, so I love it. Uh, I had uh, to give Dawn it a learned some math. Dawn Her math. relationship with math is stronger than ever. So I only gave it a five because again I had to split the difference. It should have been a lot lower wow. than that. Okay, well look, look, based on your reactions. No, no, that's fine. That's yes. That's now fine. I can I can comfortably give it a seven, so I don't have to rank it. As good as Buffy versus Dracula. Thank you for saving You're everyone. Our, I just can't. <laughs> uh, episode specific. How do you pick? Honestly, like every lyric to all the songs, all the moments. It's very hard. But I think I just because it was a cop out, and then I didn't have to think about it anymore. Say you're happy now. Once more with feeling. Ten out of ten. Mm. Mercifully bumps this to fifty-two. Out of 60. So, number one okay. for the season, easy, but not a number. Like, I don't know if this is even in the top five based on my my rankings of one to 60. You know? So, don't know. But 52 for Once More With Feeling. Stacia, where did you put this? Um, I have ranked it yet because I can't decide. Nice. We're all in crisis because we love it so much, <laughs> but is it the best? Not me. No, not, not me. me. <laughs> I've been saving the spot since we started this. I'm comfortable. <laughs> we need to know your description of this episode. Oh, also, yes, and... please start us with the plot. Did you not write that yet either? No. God damn it. Musical. Yeah. I mean, come on. I think I'd probably put everybody sings. There you go. Everybody sings. <laughs> everybody sings in this. As if you even need one. It's so good. What is once more with feeling about? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Everybody sings. Ah, not ringing a bell. <laughs> but if I put it at number one, I don't think anything's going to be better. What do you mean? Like, you don't think? I think that would make it the rest of the series the highest overall. Oh, yeah, for sure. Nothing nothing better is happening. What's number one Prophecy right now? Prophecy Girl. Which is a fair. Oh, oh, damn. Okay. And then The Body. I love the world where you take Prophecy Girl to the to the end. Yeah. I think that it <laughs> fulfills the podcast oh, goal. Yeah. So I don't think you should do no. it. There's nothing that beats this. I know it's so much pressure. I mean, I'm really torn because I love Tabula Rasa. I really, really love that episode, and I'm wondering after next week if if I say it's higher than this in the end, which is fucking bonkers. But like, so I get it. I get the turmoil. Obviously, I had a very hard time juking the stats this week. Go with your heart. Put it where you got to put it. Uh, reveal audience, because I can see her computer. It's going at number two. It's going at number two, Ooh, right between Prophecy Girl and The Body. And I think that is a great lineup. <laughs> and it's... What? I'm waiting to see what you type. <laughs> For my plot? Yeah. Everybody sings, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Thank you. Everybody sings. Number two overall. I'm uh, looking at the logs. You and Dave are clocking a pretty scary amount of computer time. New project. Ooh, will I be excited? You'll die. Daniel, where did it go? Yeah, so it can't be number one or number two for me. Uh, Restless outranks this on pure emotion. Sorry, Stacia, you can just turn off your ears for this one. <laughs> um, the soundtrack for the episode, which I've actually never listened to, I don't think, on its own, uh, also contains a couple of bonus tracks. 
uh, one of which is the suite from Restless, the you know the cool eerie music. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, is that transportive? That is so like evocative. Christophe Beck is a fucking genius. God damn, that dude makes the show, and I really like. I will stand by it. The show is lesser after he leaves, just because it just such it it's so good. It made me want to watch Restless again. I'm like, God, Restless is a better episode than this. <laughs> I don't mean I don't want to say it. I mean I already did because it's number one. I know. I mean, Restless is the best show of the of this purely on emotion and purely on the four years of getting to know. Whereas like this this episode is kind of like Restless in that it deals with the last year and a half of our friends' lives and where do we go from here is exactly what Restless asked. Where do we go from this moment? What is the rest of this show going to look like? And unlike having four years, you only have a year and a half. It's less dramatic just on the face of it. It uh, doesn't matter because Restless is number one, so you can't be number one. <laughs> the body is number two just because the body is the body. So this is number three. It just can't be anything but, sorry. It's a it's a strong number three and on a different, uh, on a different day, it could be a number one without even a second thought. So number three, all time, what's more with feeling. What a lot of fun. Yeah, guys, I've been real swell. And there's not a one who can say this ended well all those secrets you've been concealing say you're happy now once more with feeling now i gotta run see you home uh so uh we might have regrets. Who knows? Me especially. <laughs> I am curious because I didn't actually look where a uh, ranking of 52 would land this in the series overall for me. But we won't find that out until the end of this show. So we will deal with that later. That's a problem for future me. For now, that is Once Warmest Feeling. We did it. It's all down here from here, baby. That's the expression, right? Does downhill good or bad? I never know. Oh, technical losses coming up. It's all downhill. Oh, wait, that's right. Next week, a reason to live. Tabula rasa. Please join <laughs> us for that. But before we get to that, so you have anything else to say about this wonderful all singing, all dancing show? Uh, I don't. Daniel? I would say it's a reason to live for 2022, but we're still in 2021. We still have another uh, month and a half to go. So who knows what can happen? Yeah, that's right. So do your best. Stay alive. Until next week, Stacia, say goodbye. Goodbye. Daniel, say goodbye. You should go back inside. Finish the big group podcast. Get your kumbayas out. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye! We were talking a minute like you were in a musical. Just had no idea. It's so creepy. He was really singing? I'd say it was more like crooning. If we were old together, remind me to skip the midlife crisis. Okay, come on, you have to admit, it was kind of sexy. Please stop saying that. I'm willing to offer cash incentives.